It's 36 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. President Trump is denying allegations of an affair with adult film star Stormy Daniels in 2006. That is according to White House spokesman Raj Shah in a briefing yesterday. He also cast doubt on Daniels' claim she was pressured to keep silent and threatened by a man in a parking lot in Las Vegas. Shah said there's no corroboration to support that claim. Shah said the president has consistently denied any involvement with Daniels, who made an appearance on 60 Minutes Sunday. And yesterday, it was announced Stormy Daniels is suing Trump's lawyer for defamation. On the heels of her 60 Minutes interview, Daniels filed a lawsuit accusing lawyer Michael Cohen of portraying her as a liar. The new lawsuit is being tagged onto a previous one in which she sued to get out of an agreement to keep quiet about the alleged affair. As part of the agreement, she was reportedly paid 130 grand ahead of the 2016 presidential election. Daniels is claiming Cohen broke campaign financing law by arranging that deal. The ratings, by the way, for the 60-minute interview, 60 Minutes interview, huge. huge. Uh, it's on pace to be the most watched episode in nearly 10 years. In November of 2008, a Steve Croft interview with President-elect Barack Obama drew 25.1 million viewers. Early ratings showed over 22 million people tuned in this past Sunday. Uh, so pretty big uh, slam dunk for those guys. Uh, you know that pisses him off so bad. <laughs> That the the first time he gets Obama's ratings, it's because his porn star <laughs> mistress is speaking up. And she's going to be in Pittsburgh. In May. Yes, she'll be performing at Blush on May 2nd and 3rd. Yeah. So uh, you could go see her run right in front of your naked steaming eyes. That's right, your naked steaming eyes. Stormy, uh, you can see her Stormy Daniels. Right. Uh, investigators say... She has, her boobs are just like comically yeah big. enormous like again at some point it starts to be like you know, you know having like a big elbow there's nothing sexy about it it's just <laughs> right. like oh are you okay it's freakish yeah investigators say a road rage incident led to one man being stabbed and taken to the hospital outside a westmoreland county grocery store on monday police arrested robert Baum after they say he stabbed another man in the parking lot of the shop and save in greensburg Police say the incident began on Route 30 with Bomb saying he was angry the other man had cut him off. Investigators say the two each provided conflicting stories of the incident. A new study suggests exercising less than 20 minutes a day is linked to a shorter lifespan. Researchers with the Duke University School of Medicine and the National Cancer Institute looked into how much the duration of an exercise session affects long-term health. They had nearly 5,000 adults, 40 and older, wear devices that tracked how often they moved and determined how long they exercised. Researchers found people who got less than 20 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity had the highest risk of death. Punks and Tawny Phil is wanted by the Monroe County Sheriff's Office in eastern Pennsylvania. Phil, of course, America's top weather-predicting groundhog, has a warrant out for his arrest after incorrectly predicting winter would last six more weeks. That six-week dead, six deadline passed and the Sheriff's Office has had enough. The Sheriff's Office said it's, quote, seeking the apprehension of Punks and Tawny Phil for deception. On February 2nd, 2018, Phil promised there would be six more weeks of winter. That promise expired on March 16th. We're now on the second day of spring, and we are in the middle of yet another snowstorm, end quote. The Groundhog's wanted poster is on the wall of shame in the sheriff's office, along with a variety of other suspects. 
Sammy Hagar received a plaque on the Bammies Walk of Fame in San Francisco on Friday. Accepting the honor, he said, in 1967, when I first came to San Francisco, I knew it was a place for me. There was and still is something about the music scene that is not the middle-of-the-road commercial path. That's the road I'm still on. I like where it's taken me thus far, and I'm still excited about the road ahead. And finally, the release of the self-titled Stone Temple Pilots album on March 16th was the culmination of an odyssey for new singer Jeff Gutt that lasted well over a year. He says he worked with the band for about 13 months before he officially was named the band singer, band's singer, stepping into a job previously held by Scott Weiland and Chester Bennington. So what was it like not being able to speak to anyone about what he was doing all that time? To me, it wasn't about anyone else's perception or anyone else's feelings about it. To me, it was just about these guys and the songs and moving forward. And that's where my focus lied at the time. At a certain point, it switched gears from the catalog to let's work on new things now. And that was the process where I really hunkered down and I did a lot of research, as I do with everything that I do. Uh, here's Scott talking about the kind of research that he did when they went into the studio. A lot of it was just going back over some of my old influences. Some of it was Scott's. Some of it was theirs. Like, I wasn't that into Bowie until this whole thing started. You know what I mean? Like, little things like that where you have to appreciate some things before you can learn how to move forward in a way that's going to be palatable for everyone who's a Stone Temple Pilots fan. Forecast today, rain and 50. It is 35 now at DVE. It is the DVE morning show and uh, packed house for you today. We're going to have uh, at 745 Barbara Johnstone, who is a uh, linguistic professor, CMU. She wrote a book about Pittsburghese. Did we have her on before? We did. And uh, there was a uh, an Incline article, the, uh, the magazine, The Incline, local here, digital mag. That's what I call them, mag, short. Right. For magazine. Uh, the article was about why Pittsburghers always put S's on the end of things. <laughs> where they don't belong. All these? It does happen a lot. Sally She's Wiggins. Sally Wiggins. That's my favorite one. Um, <laughs> she's going to be on at 745 to talk about that. What is it that compels Pittsburghers to pluralize things? Also, Dan Potash, oh. 815. We'll talk with Danny about tonight's game, Penguins, uh, in uh, Detroit. And then uh, Jerry Dulac, 845. Coach Tomlin, talking to the media yesterday, said some pretty interesting things, including, yeah, we're looking for Ben's replacement. I'm paraphrasing, but it's kind of what he said. Well, Bill- yeah, it's they got to do that. You got to start thinking gotta about be that. be prepared. Yeah. Billy Gardale in the 9 o'clock hour. Also, we'll hear from uh, Pirates owner uh, Bob Dudding. Oh, good. Because he's going to talk about the new foods they have oh, at PNC yeah, Park. They always do that reveal every year. Yesterday was the big reveal. So we'll go through some of the newer food items available at PNC Park. That'll be after 7 o'clock this morning. Beatles get us going right now. I grew up in a like a hamster and guinea pig breeding area. <laughs> they used to sell them and manufacture them. Not manufacture them, but <laughs> they used to breed them by us. The, so you come from the land where they breed those things. All right. So like uh, yeah. so, some places they breed horses and they breed guinea pigs and hamsters where you're from. Yeah. Everybody thinks that like hamsters just like grew, like, you know, magically make it to the way to hand, of hands of children everywhere. You know? <laughs> yeah. Nobody thinks about their origin story. Yeah, no, so, they're bred, dude. Yeah. They're out there making love at night. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> They're putting in work, dude. Yeah, because it's not like they're out in the wild. It's not like, oh, there's a wild hamster uh, yeah. den. It's not like there's some guy who's like, late for work, and he's like, God, oh, I got, you know, 2,000 hamsters. 
you know, crossing <laughs> over here by the right. dormant diner, right? You know, yeah, by the doorstop. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> Somebody has to make the hamsters. Yeah, they do. So was it was, was the guy that was caught with the thirty pounds of hamster bones? Was he the worst breeder of all time? I mean, he was obviously caught up in the dark arts. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> or is that just like you know to make an omelet you got to break some eggs? Like, I mean, look, I mean, look, <laughs> that dude. I mean, if somebody gets a hold of him, him in the public, he'll be the next UEP long. I'll tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like he was more like the hamster Joseph Mengele. Like, I mean, he was doing some sort of boys from Brazil stuff with hamsters, trying to crossbreed the perfect uh, hamster. He could have been, uh, uh, been hybrid. He could have been, man. And I'm not, you know, I, I grew up hamster in the game. You know, I used to sell hamsters. Wait. <laughs> it's not a game. There's, There's no hamster game. Hold up. He I just mean, got paged. In a small, yeah. Gotta sell these, yeah. Gotta sell these hamsters. Dude, we used to sell hamsters, man. I used to sell hamsters and G-pig, guinea pigs growing up. G-pigs? Yeah, they call them G-pigs, but they're just guinea pigs. You know, that's what's not, the, what's the that margin doesn't mean, of That doesn't mean they're Italian, that they're actually an animal. They're you know, no guinea. offense. Yeah. Where does guinea come from? Is that uh, like a French or a Haitian thing from Louisiana? Or some... mm, well, Peru, a lot of guinea pigs, a lot of the small ground games from uh, Peru. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you this. Today's hamsters that we get, a lot of them are actually from Russia. Oh, no kidding. Right. The Russians are even infiltrating our hamster yeah, I mean, personally, I think that's the only thing that they're infiltrating, except the 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 media. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we got we got a lot of hamsters from Russia now. Guinea pigs, still beautiful animals. If you got you a lunch break in a local pet shop, <laughs> get in there. They'll let you eat sandwiches right by the cage. You get in there. Oh no, kidding. <laughs> oh, guinea pigs. Clydesdale's a small ground game, man. <laughs> I think. Dude, I'll, you show me six guinea pigs pulling a Budweiser truck right now, I'll go straight to heaven, dude. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave my shoes right here at WDBE. DVE Sports. Mike Pesuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And Mike, Coach Tomlin uh, saying some interesting things there yesterday. And uh, Coach Tomlin uh, sounding uh, at times like Coach Tomlin often does, i.e. you hear audible responses to questions, but the answers are somewhere out in the stratosphere. In the ether. Uh, give a listen, uh, for example, to uh, what Mike Tomlin had to say yesterday uh, in Orlando at the NFL's annual meeting with Missy Matthews of Steeler.com, Steelers.com, excuse me, when the subject of why Randy Feekner is the new offensive coordinator came up. Uh, really excited about this opportunity for Randy. Uh, Randy's been with us for a long time. Uh, he's held down a number of positions. He's been a wide receiver coach within our organization. He's been a quarterback coach, and now he's been a coordinator. Um, I think that experience is going to help him uh, in terms of coordinating, in terms of how he interacts not only with our players uh, but with our coaches. And he has a keen understanding of the responsibilities of a lot of people in the equation because of his unique background. Well, you know, unique background. He's had two jobs before this one, wide receivers and QBs. I don't know if that's unique. He was an offensive coordinator in college. For... I don't know if the other coaches don't know a lot of the people as well. I just I found that fascinating. That it, they can't come it went up around with... and around and around and didn't get me anywhere. There's no good. Re... We know what it is. Obviously, Ben had had enough. Yeah. Uh, ben had had enough. He said the South Side is not large enough to contain <laughs> both myself and the current offensive coordinator. <laughs> 
You know that's what it was. Uh, he really <laughs> liked uh, the last offensive coordinator, so we're going to use his stuff. Uh, he also talked... And that's uh, what it is, right? I mean, they're going to put some more of the B.A. stuff in there that Ben liked and well, give and, Ben a, the the basically the reins. He's going to be running the offense. And I think Todd Haley's method of coaching was uh, bad cop kind of yeah, get get up their arse. Uh, not not just the quarterback, but everybody on the offense. That was kind of how he did it. Including his coworkers, like the other coaches. Yeah. He was kind of brought here to do a job, and he did it. And now we'll see if uh, Randy Feekner can have the same kind of success. I also found it interesting, Mike Tomlin talking about Le'Veon Bell in terms of the scenario playing out as it did a year ago, potentially with Bell getting the franchise tag, not being happy about it. They're unable to work out a long-term deal, so he skips training camp and all the off-season stuff. And Mike Tomlin talked about the effect that has on the other players, particularly the young players which I don't recall him doing last year. He said there would be consequences for Bell missing training camp. Didn't really get around to identifying specifically what those were until he got into the regular season. But he talked about the young players not getting a chance to see a guy such as Bell come in and prepare and practice and work and and do all the things he does to get himself and his team ready. Yeah, you know, this is him reminding him Ahead of time, hey, if you're planning on not coming this year, you cost us a little bit last year. Yeah. And I'm sure he's planning on it again. I don't think he gives it. It's You know, because in his mind, Mike, this is not his fault. They could easily get yeah. him there. All they got to do is give him $15 million a year. And in theory, I mean, it isn't really. Uh, it is one of those weird gray areas in the CBA you keep hearing Kevin Colbert say, you know, he's not contractually obligated until he signs the thing. Right. So it's not, it's it's a choice he's making. And the team, conversely, is making a choice to, to put that tag on him instead of saying, okay, go, you know, go see what other teams want to pay you and what if you're worth what you think you're worth. Uh, everybody's doing what they're allowed to do and. That's Boy, what. he's a tough one to, you know, I want to just be all hard-assed with it, you know, the situation. Hey, you don't like it here? Tough. Play your one year and get out, which is kind of how I've been thinking. But he's a special player. I mean, even with the injuries and the suspensions. I mean, this He guy is, is, but he's a special running back. And I just think the way the game – not that they're not valuable, but would you, if you had to remove one guy from the equation, Roethlisberger, Brown, or Bell, who would it be? Um, I mean, it would be Bell. Yeah. Uh only because the running game last year, and maybe this is because we were passing so much and the, there were close games and stuff. Wasn't but that great, I, wasn't it? Wasn't that great? Yeah. We, I mean. Wasn't that great. What was? Where were we, 20th in the league? Wasn't that great. And when I read that figure, it kind of surprised me. Because for some reason in my head I had it, oh, well, he's you know best running back in the league, so you know, we're, we're top 10 running game. No. Yeah, you got an offensive line you've invested a lot of money right. in. Right. Should be better, shouldn't it? A lot better. Maybe not coming up. Maybe not showing up for training camp has something to do with that. Maybe. But you know what? It could be that again. And I don't think. I think Le'Veon Bell would be coveted on the open market. Oh yeah. I don't know if he'd get what he thinks he's worth, but he would get a lot. I agree. Oh, a lot. Oh, a team would love to have for him. Long term, yeah. lot guaranteed. Look, we love having him. It's yeah. just that uh, he's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Penguins are in Detroit tonight to take on the Red Wings 730. 
on your Penn's flagship 105.9. The Pens are coming off a 5-4 to four overtime win over Philadelphia on Sunday. Matt Murray liked the way that game played out. That's my goal every night is just to kind of get a little bit better as the game goes on and just feel better and better as I go. So, um, you know, I felt that was the way the game trended today. It was unfortunate to give up that late one, but, um, you know, they, they went to the net hard and, and kudos to them for that. So, um, yeah, I think as a team it was, it was a good progression of a game. Uh, we got better as the game went on and, and got it done at the end. Penguins are five points behind the Washington Capitals for first place in the Metropolitan Division after the Caps 4-2 win over the Rangers last night. But uh, Matt Murray likes uh, the way his team is showing up in terms of potential playoff positioning and readiness. Yeah, we're, we're confident. We're trending you know, in the right direction for sure, and that's what you need uh, going into playoffs. So um, we're a confident group in here. We know. Any given night, um, we can beat anybody. So uh, as long as we play our game and um, stick to you know focusing on what we need to do rather than what the other team's doing, and um, if we can do that, you know we're going to have a good shot. Penguins went 17-4 and one from January the second through February the twenty-third. From February the twenty-fourth through Sunday, basically the last month, they're seven-five and two. So tremendous streak, and then a pretty average month here. Uh, but I think they made their point in January and most of February. They solidified their spot in the postseason. And uh, they're going to be tough out. They're getting their ducks in a row, Mike. They're getting their ducks in a row. I think the ducks are lined up. Pirates are doing that, too. Uh, they lost to the Phillies 6-3 yesterday. 11-19-2 are the uh, spring training ducks in terms of winning ducks, losing ducks, and tied ducks. Bucks are in Clearwater to play the Phillies uh, today. It is the final spring training game of 2018. Jameson Tyone gets the ball for Pittsburgh and Jake Arrieta the start for Philadelphia. How about that? Phillies went out and got Jake Arrieta. Oh, apparently you could just go do that. Who knew that? Just went out and said, let's go to the Cy Young store. <laughs> oh, look, this is a little bit of a discount here. Hey, they got an Arietta on sale. <laughs> Why the hell? Yeah, I'll take that. Val's got news top of the hour. What do you got, Valerie? Uh, we're going to talk about a pretty good deal. You know, they try to get you to give up your seat when they overbook flights. Some woman hit the jackpot. We'll talk about it coming up. Also, one of my favorite prop bets ever. A brand new menu at PNC Park. We'll have Bob Nutting Jr. call in to tell us all about that. The new food items. Plus, we got Dan Potash talking pens, Jerry D talking Steelers, and Billy Gardell in the 9 o'clock hour. It's the DVE morning show. I, I like the conceit of that show. The premise of that splitting up together. Oh, yeah. I know people have done that. Me, too. That's why I like it. Yeah. One of my best friends, uh, he and his wife got divorced 25, well, yeah, 20. Years ago, like they were kids. They got married when they were very, very young, like 21, and then got divorced when they were like uh, 30. And it was not an awesome breakup, but they owned a business together and they were like, you know what? We got to make the best of this. We're not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> we hate like, each other, but we're mad smart. at you right now. You're mad at me. Let's figure out how to not be <laughs> mad at each other. And now they're the they're best of friends. Oh, good. And they've run this successful business for over 20 years. Yeah, it was just an eerie can, celebrating his 50th. It can work out. This weekend, and she threw the party. 
Wow. Yeah. And then they got kids. Kind of yeah. like married people. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like, why aren't you guys having sex? I don't get it. <laughs> Just have sex. And they're like, that'll screw everything up. Do they have significant others? Yeah. Oh, well, then everything worked out good. From time to time. Oh, they're not in like a long term. No. Neither one of them. No. Because nobody, because I mean, everyone probably gets jealous because they got the thing going on. Supposed to be together. It's actually kind of perfect. Kind of jealous of it. It is the DV morning show. Val, do you know what Twitch is? Uh, I don't. I just learned. It's like an app that basically you'd watch people playing video games. I don't even understand why people want to do that. Yeah, I don't either. I can't sit in the same room and watch someone play a video game. But they've branched out into showing people play poker and gamble. So okay. You, so you can watch other people. Again, it's an app. But to you wa- can do that on television. I know, but you, well, but this is all the time and it's. On demand. Yes. And you can watch your favorite guys. They have their own Twitch stream. Oh. So if you just want to f- keep following your guy. Well, these two brothers were pretty famous Twitchers, I guess. Matt and Jamie Staples. All right. This guy owned a bunch of offshore casinos named Bill Perkins. I don't know. Maybe he know, owns a bunch on the mainland too. I'm not sure. They were playing on one of the offshore ones, and they were twitching. And somebody uh, noticed that the brother Matt was 134 pounds, the brother Jamie 305 pounds, and put something out on the Twitch stream like, hey, uh, I bet you guys couldn't get to the same weight in a year. So the owner of the casino saw that and said, I'll give you 50 to 1 odds. (laughs) And they said, sold, $3,000 bet. So if they win, they get $150,000. All they have to do is bring their weights together in one year. Matt was 134 pounds. Jamie was 305 pounds. So you do a little, I'll do a little. You do a little, I'll do a little. So here's what they decided they were going to do. The, uh, the, the, the skinnier one, Matt, he was going to gain 51 pounds. Jamie was going to lose all that weight going from over 300 pounds down to 185. So that was the weight they were going to meet at on the day of the weigh-in. They had to be within one pound of each other, which is pretty, I mean, (laughs) that's hard to do on any day. Right. So they were allowed. They have to do it on this specific day. Not once you get it. Hey, the bet's over. Right. So they got to weigh themselves all day. The day of the bet. And that way you could kind of like keep track because one pound is really hard to maintain between, you know, you have to eat the same thing or not eat the same thing. And exercise or not exercise. Right. So they got down to it. Yesterday was the weigh-in day. So they both have to weigh 185 pounds for $150,000. They did it. Wow. They weighed exactly pretty- the same. Look at the, here's a picture of what they that used to look like. That is incredible. Isn't that nuts? And they both they ended up winning one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Good for those guys. I know. It's nuts. The crazy thing is, you can see here. Here's the the picture on the bottom. Here, Val is what they both look like now. I bet the tougher one was the kid putting on fifty pounds. Yeah, that's not easy to do. I mean, you could just get fat. But he didn't want to just get fat. I guess you have to get a trainer. You got to put on a ton of muscle. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just making yourself completely unhappy and Un- unhealthy. Unhe- I was going to say unhealthy, yeah. Speaking of an un- unhealthy, guys. deleting Facebook, a lot of people are on the hashtag delete Facebook train. But what do you do now? 
I mean, there's so many things you rely on Facebook for. <laughs> How are you going to keep track of what your relatives are doing? Well, the uh, uh, online blog Motherboard put together a list of replacements. These are all the things that you would use in order to get rid of Facebook. All right? So... To satisfy your craving. Yes, like all the features that you become accustomed to. Now, I want to preface this by saying (laughs) this is not help. This is like the best article Facebook could have ever hoped for because it is so complicated sounding and it's so many different things. Like for news feed, you know, because there's a Facebook news feed that a lot of people rely on. They say to use Nuzzle. Never heard of it. Me either. Never heard of it. You can sync to the app to a social network. You might use like Twitter and LinkedIn. So the reason they're saying to use that is the compatibility with other platforms, much like F- Facebook has. Okay. Messenger. Nuzzle. People like messaging each other. Can't you just email? I mean, or you text? could, but you know, Facebook Messenger. All right. A lot of people don't like Messenger, but they like what it does. It's cluttered up a little bit. Uh, it's confusing sometimes. They say to try Signal a free end-to-end encrypted messaging service approved by security researchers that sticks to the basics. There's no animated stickers or fancy chatbots, but Signal does an excellent job of keeping you securely connected to your friends and family. There's No. Are we really that <clears throat> unaware of ways to communicate with people and get information? Event. That we just al- rely on Facebook for everything? For events, there's a bunch of them. Um, paperless post. Doodle is the one. A lot of musicians use Doodle. Have you ever been on... In order to coordinate rehearsals and stuff, people use Doodle a lot. Birthday reminders. There's... (laughs) There's another one for just birthday reminders. Uh, Apparently, it's called Geel. I don't even know what the hell that is. Uh, Facebook introduced Marketplace where you could buy and sell stuff like at eBay. Mm -hmm. They uh, they give you... uh, eBay. Ne- next door. <laughs> I know. That's what I thought. Why not give them eBay? The groups. You know when you put groups together? Oh, they say, oh, use GroupMe. That's a great choice. For third-party logins, you know how Facebook will allow you to just log into your Spotify or log into your, you know. Okay, It'll yeah. be like, hey, do you want to log in through Facebook? Right. They say, oh, that's easy. All you have to do is use LastPass or 1Password. Nobody's going to use this stuff. See, this is where if you're like me and you don't jump on board that stuff, you don't have such a hard time dealing with it when it craps the bed. Facebook, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but I went, you know, they said that Android users were at risk because they were taking all your phone and text data. To all of your phone calls, all of your text messages. So I went on my, I don't use Facebook on my phone very, like once a month, maybe. I never even opted into the messenger yeah. service on smart. my phone. I'm like, ah, I'm good. I You're don't smart. have to worry about You're anything. so smart. I remember that when I took Facebook Messenger off my phone, it was because I was trying to sleep one night, and right as I was about to fall asleep, my phone dinged. Like, I forgot to turn it off. I was like, son of a... And it was a Facebook message. I don't know anybody on my... You know, I know, uh, you know, a small percentage. 10%. Yeah. And uh, it, it dings, and I'm like, oh, I got to look at it. And I look at it, <laughs> and it's some dude just tearing into me. <laughs> <laughs> just telling me I suck. Good night. MAGA and Trump's great and you're, you know, blah, 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 blah. Just teeing off on me. I'm like, who is this guy? He wasn't even from Pittsburgh. <laughs> and I thought, I don't need to get angry at a strange dude in bed. while I'm in bed. This is bad. So I got rid of it. But if you want to get rid of Facebook, 
They have all kinds of different solutions for you. But what if other people aren't on those same platforms? Now, some of them, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're just organizing stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's why people love Facebook. Are you bailing on Facebook? Yeah, kind of. I mean, are you deleting your no, everything? No, I'm not doing that yet. It's 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 still a valuable tool for what I like to do with music, mm-hmm. like especially being a consumer of music. It's great for that. Mm-hmm. It's horrible for almost everything else. <laughs> Humanity. No, it is. Yeah, you just feel sad a lot. And I mean, so many studies have shown that that's the case. And you know what? I don't think it'd be any different on any of those other platforms, Val. I don't, yeah. You know what I mean? They I think you'll be just as sad thing. if you get sad. But there are people who love Facebook more than anything in the world, and they go down fighting. It is like there are some there are some soccer moms out there who will go down with the ship on Facebook. <laughs> well, good luck with that. My mom is is definitely into it. She's very mad that I don't let her follow me. I blocked <laughs> my mom because I could. I'm like, I'm not having you get in here and fi- I'm not having her critique my Facebook. Oh, no, that. And to see things people say about you. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't have that. I mean, 99% of it is great, but, you know, some of it's not so great. Right. Not only that, some of what I'm putting on there is not so great for moms. <laughs> right. What do you not got coming up moms. here? That's not for moms. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a very popular musical coming to town. People will be excited about it. And uh, also, one woman cashed in on an overbooked flight big time. Uh, we'll hear from Pirates owner Bob Nutting Jr. a little bit later on uh, this hour because uh, they got all the brand new foods at PNC Park this year. Mm. Plus, we're going to be talking to Professor Emeritus of English and Linguistics at linguistics at CMU. Barbara Johnstone, she wrote the book on Pittsburghese uh, that we love so much. She's going to talk about that Incline article that discussed why Pittsburghers put S's on the end of everything. Sally Wiggins will join us later to talk about that. Dan Potash talks pens, Jerry D talking Steelers and Billy Gardell in the nine o'clock hour. It's 38 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The news brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. A Ross Raver Township police officer is being investigated for counter protesting at an anti-gun rally. Police Chief Greg Resseter said an inquiry is underway into Officer Martin Palo's involvement and to determine whether he violated civil service rules. A photo of the officer reportedly went viral. The department says Officer Palo was off-duty when he strapped an AR-15 across his torso and marched at the event on Friday in Greensburg. The U.S. and European allies are expelling Russian intelligence agents, many of whom are thought to be posing as diplomats. The actions are in retaliation for that recent poisoning of a former spy and his daughter in Great Britain. Sixty Russians are being expelled from the U.S. A statement from the White House says the action is a message to Russia that its actions have consequences. Did you see what Russia said in return? No. You will see you have made a grave mistake. Uh Uh-oh. And there will be consequences. Did Vladimir Putin Vladimir Putin. No, they didn't send Steven Seagal out to say it. (laughs) So basically, uh, we have uh, turned this into a bad, like, 80s 80s movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah, this entire scenario. And, you know, those never end well. 
The woman at the center of the historic 1954 U.S. Supreme Court case that ended school segregation has died. Linda Brown was just nine years old when her father tried to enroll her in an all-white elementary school near their home rather than an all-black school further away. She wasn't allowed to attend the school, so he sued the Topeka Board of Education over its segregation policies. Brown versus Board of Education went to the U.S. Supreme Court, which in 1954 unanimously ruled that having separate schools for black and white students was unconstitutional. I tell you what, that documentary, uh, the James Baldwin documentary, I'm Not Your Negro, which was on PBS uh, at the beginning of February, it is remarkable. They they have accounts of like all these uh, these kids when they were integrating the schools, going to school for the first time, these black kids who are walking to school like 14-year-old girls with 100 rednecks behind them, just threatening them Taunting, and screaming yeah. at them. And like you can see all these dudes' faces and stuff. And you just like the hate in their face. And there's this girl just trying to walk to school. It, trying to go to get an it's, education. Oh, yeah. it's the saddest thing. But it also made me realize like, oh, we have been completely broken and screwed up before. <laughs> like, and it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. United Airlines has gotten some pretty bad press over the past year for a variety of offenses, including dragging that guy out of his seat and down the aisle. <laughs> that, uh, I mean... That was fun. And then they killed someone's dog by forcing the woman to put it in an overhead bin. Not fun. No. Uh, They are stepping up their game, though, to avoid bad PR. Last week, a woman was on an overbooked United flight from D.C. to Austin, Texas, and they asked for volunteers to give up their seats. Nobody did. Uh, But this woman named Allison Priest got bumped because she had paid the lowest fare on the flight. And as she was arguing with gate agents, one of them just said, We'll give you ten thousand dollars and a seat on the next flight. <laughs> so she had ten thousand, ten thousand dollars to compensate her for her inconvenience. She was going to a bachelorette party, so she still made it to the party on time. She got ten thousand dollars. Wait, wait, was that like a screw up? Did this gate agent panic or something? Or I don't know. I don't know if they're just trying so hard to avoid bad PR that they're just randomly going to start giving away $10,000 to people who give up their seats. Not a bad, (laughs) honestly, not a bad PR plan. Right. Like, Hey, you could win. Basically they turned it into the price is right. Kinda. So if you make a big enough stink, I guess you get a big payoff. Might be worth taking your chances. I wish they would have stuffed that guy into the overhead bin. (laughs) That would have been funny. There's just no, nobody wants to get off the flight. You know, when every time they do that, we're looking for volunteers. It's you got to do better than we're going to put you on another flight right. later and give you or a, give you a dinner. Yeah, and you know, a hundred dollar credit towards another flight. Yeah, no, I don't. I still don't understand how flights get overbooked. Well, like you have a certain number of seats. How many right. people don't show up for their flight? Like, there's, what's the there's percentage? a percentage, and they sell over that. There's some logistics equation that uh, they employ that maximizes their their uh, flights so that they're always packed at the you know peril of a few flyers who thought they had seats on the plane and then don't well doesn't that have a domino effect though yeah i i don't understand it i'm just i know that's how they do i remember taking a class in college and they explained it to me and i was like that sounds sucks. like a bit bad business practice or the best because they screw you and nothing happens to them. Not anymore. I mean, no. Once they started dragging people off flights by their <laughs> collar and killing dogs, bouncing their heads was, down the aisle. Yeah, that that's when people really got pissed. 
A $96,000 lawsuit settlement was burning a hole in a New York man's pocket, so much so that he ended up losing every cent of it thanks to a few hookers and their masked friends. 30-year-old Saul Mata Villegas checked into a hotel with a cash-filled suitcase. He then called an escort service and ordered three prostitutes. Well, after he got what he paid for, the women said, hey, we're going to have a friend come over and bring some beer, some smokes. We'll really have a party. Uh, But when the guy opened the door, there were two masked men with guns who barged in and stole his cash-filled suitcase. Uh They all sped off and are still at large. Viegas reported the theft of police. He later admitted, quote, I was depending on that money to move my family. I'm nervous all the time now. I keep replaying it over and over. I see the weapon they used clearly over and over. I needed that money badly. End quote. Well... You know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, including your uh, your your nest egg. Your hooker money. Yeah. <laughs> what Was that his first time in Vegas? No, he wasn't in Vegas. He was in New York. Oh, he was in New York. Okay. Yeah. Was it a, a, his first time getting hookers? Uh, it must have been. <laughs> Not an experienced <laughs> hooker getter. Hey, look at all this money I have laying around. That's awesome. <laughs> I want to make it rain. Want to have a beer blast? <laughs> Well, it looks like Gene Simmons has a new job, and it's one that conflicts with many things he has said in the past. Gene has signed on as, quote-unquote, chief evangelist officer at a Canadian cannabis and fertilizer company called Invictus. Simmons told the Toronto Sun he'd been wrong in the past in dismissing marijuana out of hand. He now admits he didn't know much about it and has to man up and admit that he used to dismiss lots of things because of ignorance and arrogance. He says about three years ago he did his own research and found out astonishingly new information that doctors and researchers were talking about with regards to cannabis. He also owns up that he's got a personal stake in the company. Saying, oh, uh, okay. That's it's how a it came great around. business opportunity. As a matter of full disclosure, I've got 10 million in stock and i'm glad to do it you know look he's nothing if not a uh, very shrewd, uh, shrewd businessman business yeah. yeah well this is a smart marketing tactic as well metallica back on top of the charts with their hardwired to self-destruct album it jumped 40 spots all the way to number two on the billboard 200 charts uh chart that's because the band is uh bundling the album with tickets for their upcoming tour smart Yes. A lot of artists are doing that now. Yeah, they sold 65,000 albums. David Byrne that. did that for his tour, too. So it's interesting because there was a report yesterday that physical sales, for the first time in a long time, have outsold uh, digital sales. Physical outsold digital? Yeah. For wow, the f- that's surprising. But there's a caveat with that. I mean, this is why iHeartRadio does so well. Because people are just streaming now. People just aren't paying to download anything. Mm-hmm. So if you're not computer savvy, and certainly there's plenty who are still, you know, you know, proud Luddites, they end up getting the hard copy stuff. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a vinyl enthusiast. Which is a big thing now. B- much bigger than, yeah. it, than it had been, in the, you know, a decade ago. Um, still small in the big scheme of things. But the real money now is in streaming. Because that's what everybody's doing. So instead of paying to download an album, they're paying for a, a subscription yeah. to download to have access to all the albums. Right. And that's the business model right now that is wreaking havoc. You know, um, our, our producer Joe sent me a, a couple articles about this the other day. Rolling Stone did a profile on it, and Washington Post did too. It stinks for 
the artists. a lot of the established artists, uh, you know, like you know the Aerosmiths and whatnot. I think this is why you're seeing a lot of those bands tour that haven't toured in a while because they used to rely on royalty money from people who were just re-upping mm-hmm. on their Kansas greatest hits. <laughs> you know, seriously. And now they're like, oh well, I pay ten bucks a month, and I have access to everything every across album. every right. platform. And you know, uh, like I said, iHeartRadio, you have everything right mm-hmm. there. So the business model is not great news for artists, but the, it, there was never good news for artists. It was always yeah. the record company robbing them blind anyway. So yeah, somebody was getting the money they were. And if you're not an, getting, and much like they did uh, in the uh, in the nineties. Record companies now are just pouring all their money into producing the big wigs. So the Rihanna's, the Drake's of the world, mm-hmm. every dollar the they makers. put into those guys comes back, you know, twice as much as it would for putting it in to develop a new artist. So while there are platforms like never before to DIY it, if you're a, a musician, you know, YouTube, Facebook, uh, you can put your own albums on Spotify. Recording has been never been this easy. Mm-hmm. Um, getting noticed and making the big dollars for your recording is harder than ever. It's nearly impossible. Yeah, which is isn't has always been the tour. The money has been in touring, right? So this giving away the album with the ticket sales is a way to make sure that everybody who goes to the concert buys an album. Mm-hmm. You know, jacks up. I wonder who thought of this: the artists or, I don't or the know. record it's, companies? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty good. Pretty good marketing, though. Are you uh, planning on going to Metallica? Hell yeah. It's the one show I'm really... Well, there's two shows. This is one I'm really looking What's the other to, one? Rival Sons. It, oh, yeah. You love Rival Sons. Yeah. Night Ranger's not coming back this year? Uh, not that I know yeah. of, but if they are, that will be number it, three That'll be number three. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Metallica, October 18th at PPG Paints Arena. Are you going to Metallica? Yeah. I th- they're they, one haven't of- been to, they haven't been here in, I bet, 10 years. 20. Has it been 20? Yeah. No. That's what... Wasn't that the whole thing? Like during the uh, announcement, everyone was like, yeah, they haven't been here since 90, whatever. Wow. I didn't think it was that long. I think it was only like 20 bucks to go see them last time they were here. Don't remember. I don't remember either, but they're one of those bands that I owe it to them to go see them. They're great. I mean, it's an unbelievable show. I always make fun of them, but because they they did put out a movie with their therapist (laughs) and their metal. It's like metal guys with cats that the website like <laughs> the juxtaposition is kind of funny because you always picture them being super tough. Meanwhile, it was really smart to go to therapy as a band and to have somebody talk through their problems. I, th- I think that was probably revolutionary. And I bet a lot of big bands do it now. Wouldn't be surprised to hear the Foo Fighters had somebody help them through something at some point. In time. Probably. Yeah. But putting it on film, committing it not real to rock. film, not, not very not rock, very and, rock roll. and roll. No. Yeah. Uh, and Hamilton is coming to Pittsburgh, uh, the hottest musical on Broadway in how long? Uh, they'll uh, That will play the Benedim January 1st through the 27th of next year. You can get more information at trustarts.org. So there was a, an article in the Post-Gazette the other day about how they are trying to combat scalpers for this because the bots come in and they take all the tickets and then sell them on the secondary market. Jacked for up ungodly prices. amounts, yeah. But a friend of mine was telling me she saw them in Denver, and the uh, whatever the Denver Cultural Trust, whatever that ver- you know their version of it is uh, out there. So I think they have a similar trust. They wiped out all the bot tickets after they 
purchased them. After they figured they were bots. Yeah, and then if anybody was buying them on the secondary market, you were totally screwed. Maybe they'll go back to the old days where you have to go stand in line uh, like overnight. Here's what we need to do. You got to stand in line overnight to buy paper tickets from now on. Yeah. And there'll be a few demones and, you know, the scalpers of old <laughs> who earn it and voting paper ballots. By, by the way, September 2004, last time Metallica was here. So it's been 14. 13, 14, yeah. Yeah. Uh, madly in anger with the world tour, Melon Arena. I don't know. That, that was it. They played in the round, I think, there. Oh, okay. At that show. So it's only been 14 years. And that definitely wasn't a $20 ticket. It was more than that. I'm pretty sure that's the one where at the end of the show, like somebody fell from the ceiling, but it was part of the show. Ugh. They have stand stunts. Freaked. Yeah, everybody was like at the end of the show, it was like a, a, a guy up on a rig just fell down. He had a he had a you know a harness on. Did he like? Was he? He was dangling. Mission Impossible dangling. Yeah, a little or? bit. Yeah. Okay. Good. People were like, "Oh my god." That's kind of terrifying. It's very terrifying. I thought it was like a stuntman who just fell into a bag behind the stage and you just thought somebody died and then they end the concert and they're like, cool trick, huh? No. Forecast today, rain 50 for the high today. It's 36 at DVE. It is the DVE morning show and believe it or not, we're only a week or so from uh, the home opener. A week from yesterday. Yeah. For the Buccos. Pirates have announced their new menu items available at uh, PNC Park this season and here to discuss how everything uh, is so delicious this year. It's team owner mm. Bob Nutting. Good morning, sir. Hi, how are you? Yeah. Good morning, Pirate Band. Hi. Wait until you hear about all the new tasty treats available this year during Pirate Games in the food holes. Not food holes. <laughs> I think I think you mean concession stands. Concession? <laughs> no, sir. In fact. Delicious food is the only thing we haven't conceded this pirate season. Okay, take me through it all. Well, first, there's the delicious Waffle Saccone. Waffle Saccone? <laughs> Named after President-elect Rick Saccone. No, he wasn't running for president. Also, he lost. Then he'll feel right at home at PNC Park, lapping up an enormous Waffle Saccone, which is an ice milk-filled waffle cone with a mustache on the front. Made with real parrot fur. Yeah, I, I see here you you have a beefless meatball this year. Yes, Francisco Cervelli is back. No, I'm talking about food. It says <laughs> in the press release you're offering a beefless meatball and that you also offer an untuna salad. Well, those will go well with the hitless hitters. Yeah, good point. <laughs> oh, all right, one more. You know, uh, Mr. Nutting, what is your favorite food item at PNC Park? The ATM machine. No, food item. <laughs> oh, that's easy, Lanny. It's the Cutch and Cole <laughs> sub. You have a sub named after Cutch and Cole? What's on it? Well, you pick your two favorite meats, and then we send them off to another stadium and sub it with an inferior sandwich that you've never heard of. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it was nice talking to you, Mr. Nutting, and best of luck. Oh, we won't need luck. He's stuck in Korea anyways. That's gong, not luck. Gong, not luck? The evil dictator? No, that... Look, neither I nor the parrot endorse his reign of terror. No, not that, just... (laughs) By the way, Mr. Nutty, is the home opener sold out yet? No, but it will be once word gets out about these delicious sausage-free kielbasa sliders. (laughs) 
Tastes like lacquer. Lacquer? Yes. Turpentiny lacquer. It's a good chance you're eating the food they spray with chemicals and they just leave it out, you know, all day and everything. <laughs> Meatless. Pittsburgh.com. DVE Sports. Mike Pesuda with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports are brought to you by Golden Oak Lending. The NFL's annual meeting is taking place in Orlando, Florida. And uh, that means that we get to hear from Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert in an off-season setting. Colbert, uh, it's not unprecedented that he speaks in an off-season. He does that periodically. But Mike Tomlin uh, doesn't say much between the end of the season and the NFL's annual meeting. In fact, he says nothing. So uh, it's always interesting to hear what he has to say uh, whenever the league gets together and uh, sorts out and sorts through its off-season business. Uh, we heard last hour of Mike Tomlin during his sit-down interview with Missy Matthews of Steelers.com talking about Randy Feekner and his promotion to offensive coordinator and how sometimes you just got to change because you got to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rand, I think our synopsis of that was there really isn't a good reason other than... Not good enough. Yeah, uh, it's that's a hard sell. Uh, it's tough to explain that one. Uh, Mike Tomlin, in, in my opinion, much more forthcoming when he talked with Missy Matthews of Steelers.com about the prevent potential ramifications of Le'Veon Bell skipping training camp. We went through this last year. It looks like uh, we are on the path to go through it again. Chances are very good that they're not going to be able to work out a long-term deal. Bell is going to skip the offseason, skip training camp, show up hopefully before the opener, and go from there. Uh, Mike Tomlin talked about that process yesterday after having gone through it last year as – one that affects not just Le'Veon Bell, but the, the players around Le'Veon Bell as well. You know, he's a significant part of our team, not only in terms of his playing ability, but his, his leadership um, and how others learn from watching him work. Um, when you're a young guy, um, there are many ways you learn. You learn in a classroom setting. You learn from instruction from a coach. You learn from taking physical repetition. But you also learn from, from watching veteran guys and, and how they go about their business. So. You know, there are consequences of him not being there for him and for us, consequently. But there are also consequences of him not being there in terms of young guys getting an opportunity to watch him go through his game readiness or his season readiness that could make their journey or their process an easier one. So all of those things are a part of the equation when a guy of his magnitude misses time. And I was simply acknowledging that. it was an issue in 17, and I'd imagine uh, if he misses time, it'll be an issue again. Uh, it will always be an issue because it not only affects him and his preparation, but affects uh, his teammates. Yeah, I think an, an important point to revisit here is the point you made last hour. It's not that Le'Veon Bell's doing anything wrong. This is the process. No. This is what they have negotiated, the Players Association and the league. He does not have to sign that thing. Mm-mm. And if he doesn't sign it, if he does not sign a franchise tag agreement, then he is not obligated to be a training camp. Now, the, the risk he's taking is if something should happen to him away from the team, if right. he should be struck by a bolt of lightning, say, or hang, forbid. Him, hang himself in his jail cell, then he's not going to get $14.5 million. He's going to get nothing. So that's the roll of the dice that Bell is willing to assume. Uh, the Steelers are doing... Uh, what they're allowed to do contractually, they don't have to expose this guy to unrestricted free agency. They are allowed to franchise him if they desire. And well, in in that vein, Mike, how much of his skipping camp will have has to do with him just being just taking preventative measures to 
limit the amount of possible injury if you only have that one year. Yeah, and, you know, that's what he's selling. And he talked uh, last year at the end of the year about how fresh he felt he thought uh, he, he was uh, relative to previous seasons. He thought he was better off at the end of the year for not having been there at the beginning of the year. I would argue, and a lot of people would argue, it's not like he's going through uh, the goal line drill and getting smashed and bashed uh, for 30 days up no. in St. Vincent. They're very protective of the guys uh, that they believe are the star players. But you also see guys get hurt in exhibition games Teddy Bridgewater all, the, all the time. Just falls backwards. And, Remember you know. the game a couple of years ago, uh, Packers and Steelers. The Packers lost Jordy Nelson, and the Steelers lost Marquise Pouncey. So uh, you don't have to worry about that happening. Uh, would they not play Bell at all in the preseason? Would they play him very minimally? Minimally, there's, there's always going to be some risk associated with playing the game. Here's the thing. With Ben Roethlisberger, you know, basically running this offense now, and you know, in conjunction with Randy Feekner, they did not run the ball that well last year. Nor does Ben want to run the ball a whole lot. If anything, I would think we, you know, what do I, I think we finished twentieth last year. I, I, yeah, rushing. Now, now some of that was it was bad the first month. It got a lot better as the season progressed. And Bell had some monster games. And they had some terrible first halves that they were trying to come back from. So there's a, there's a lot of factors in there. Um, it, it can be better. But I don't know that they're going to be going to the running game a ton. I mean, he's obviously an incredible weapon coming out of the backfield. There's nobody really like him in the NFL. His running style is unparalleled. Nobody has that sort of just the patience that he's able to display and then the burst that follows. He's as unique as they come. But maybe... Not worth how much he's going to hit them on the cap for what they would necessarily need. Like, he might not fit what they're going to do going forward to the tune of $14.5 million. Yeah, and I guess the analogy you would make is that the Steelers team in the 70s before free agency had great players at a lot of positions that you would not be able to afford today. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have been able to keep that team together in free agency. Right. Um, you've got Ben, you've got Brown, you've got a lot of guys making a lot of money. But like you said, if you're going to get rid of Ben, Brown, or Bell, yeah, and you want to get rid of none of them. I mean, none I'm, of I'm, them. I'm not in any way trying to denigrate what Le'Veon Bell does at his position. But you don't pick the running back first; you pick the quarterback first. Then you got to have a receiver. And yeah, yeah, I know Le'Veon Bell catches a lot of balls, but he doesn't catch balls the way Antonio Brown catches balls. The way, to, the way to maximize Ben Roethlisberger is to have a great receiver ahead of a great running back. That being said, I do think they're working to try and get him signed to a long-term contract. I just don't think it's franchise-busting if they don't. And I think he's incredible and all that other stuff. I'm just trying to rationalize around how we could live without him if we have to. After it it almost seems to me like it's a loophole in the process where maybe they didn't anticipate guys doing this if they were franchised. The, the holdout and Hold out show up at the last minute or show up in week 10. There's no and, way he's showing up in week 10. I never say never. Boy, that would be, it, you know, it, I, I guess it would be akin to when college players started skipping their bowl games and everyone's like, oh, you can't do that. Bad move. And then all of a sudden. Just takes one, right? Everybody just started doing it. Just takes so, one guy to lead the charge in that direction and maybe that becomes policy. Pens are playing uh, Detroit tonight in Detroit. 7.30 on your Pens flagship, 105.9 The X. 
Interesting follow-up discussion from Mike Tomlin yesterday. If you were with us yesterday, you heard Sullivan talk about how he didn't think his team was preventing enough shots from getting to the Penguins' net. Too many pucks are getting through. And he followed up on that yesterday. Uh, Mike Sullivan. Mike, yeah, did I say Tomlin? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a big hockey fan. Too. I know. That's why I thought maybe he actually he weighed in on about it. This. <laughs> Uh, Mike Sullivan doesn't want the puck getting to the Penguins net as frequently as it has been getting there. But uh, he said yesterday that that involves a lot more than just blocking the shot. It boils down to a number of things. I think we can do a better job at using our skill sets to, uh, to, to defend in our end zone, which is our, our quickness, our mobility, our stick detail, um, in, in, our, uh, in our hockey sense to win puck battles, to stop cycles, to, uh, to get in diagonals and passing lanes, to not allow potential opportunities for pucks to get to the point where we put ourselves in positions where we have to block shots. If we can anticipate, we can jump out at defensemen, maybe it's not a bomb and it's a half-wrister, and we've got an opportunity potentially to get to use our quickness and, and get in lanes and, and force plays uh, quicker than they develop. I think there are areas where we can improve and get better at that can that can limit the um, the the situations where we put ourselves in those. Uh, but having said that, when you look at all teams that defend well, part of uh, being a good, solid defending team is your ability to deny pucks to get to the scoring area. Yeah, and the, the two sides of that coin: uh, blocking shots is dangerous; it's risky. You get hurt. You guys get broken feet and mm-hmm. things of that nature. It's there's a price to pay. But also think about it from the offensive end, and it's, this dovetails perfectly with what Sullivan just explained. If you've got the puck at the point, what's the worst thing that can happen is your shot can get blocked. Because a lot of times after it gets blocked, it's a odd man rush the other way or a breakaway the other way. If you can get out there and, and threaten to block quicker, then maybe the guy doesn't take the shot. Then he passes it somewhere else, and and you kind of reset the defense. Uh, it's important to keep pucks from getting to the net because if they don't get to the net, they don't go in the net. Sure. That's obvious. Uh, it's also important because oftentimes it's not that initial shot that does the damage, but what happens thereafter. It's the hardest area in the ring to defend. So when the puck gets there, um, that next play can be a real difficult play to defend. It's a, it's, it's a lot of the reasons why offensively we talk to our guys about you know putting pucks on the net from off the angle or our defensemen delivering pucks to the net from the offensive blue line. It's not necessarily that they're going to score, but they're creating a next play opportunity. And that next play opportunity, in a lot of instances, can be very difficult to defend. We've got to do a better job at denying that. So, see if they can do that tonight against the Red Wings and moving into the postseason. They've been very good at that aspect of the game the last couple of years. See, Ovi had another blast from the dot there last night. I'm going to get in front of that one. <laughs> He's going to do that. Slide he, right in front of that. He's going to do that till he dies, right? That uh, was his 45th goal of the year, and that caps 4-2 win over the Rangers. Ovechkin leads the NHL with 45. Patrick Laine has 43, and Evgeny Malkin, 42. In the points race, Connor McDavid, 99, Nikita Kucherov, 96, and Malkin, 92. The Caps beat the Rangers. They have a five-point lead, five lead excuse me, on the Penguins right now in the Metro, 97-92. to 92. Both teams have played 76 games. Columbus and Philly are tied for third with 89 points, and the Devils, with one game in hand on uh, the four teams ahead of them, have 86. Good deal. 
Uh, you know, whatever they got to do to ensure the Steelers don't have another soap opera year, I'm in favor of. Yeah, and this starts it down the same kind of. It kind of does, path. yeah. Uh, you ever notice that uh, Pittsburghers put S's on the end of everything that uh, where there is no S? Well, the the incline, an online magazine recently did a story about this. Not the thing that goes up Mount Washington. No, that's what it's named for. You know, they do great stuff there. Well, um, one of the people that they cited in the article is uh, an old friend of the show that we're going to bring back when we come back, Professor Emeritus of English and Linguistics at CMU, Barbara Johnstone. Johnstone. She's the uh, the Pittsburghese author. She wrote the book. She knows more about this stuff than anybody. Why do we put S's on everything? Tried to get Sally Wiggins on the show to talk about it. She was unavailable. I think she was shopping at Aldi's. <laughs> Professor Johnstone, next. It is the DVE Morning Show, and uh, joining us right now, Doctor. Uh, was it Doctor? No, Professor. Which what? What's what do I call Either you? One. Either one's fine. All right, Doctor Johnstone, Barbara Johnstone. She's a professor emeritus at, of uh, English and Linguistics at CMU, and author of the book Yins Speak in Pittsburghese: The Story of a Dialect. It's good to have you back on the show. How are you? I'm just fine, thanks. Well, you know, this article that was in the Incline yesterday about Pittsburghers putting S's on the end of things. It, it, I mean, there are examples that everyone knows. I mean, Aldi's is the one that everybody always jokes around about because it there's no S on Aldi. Right in the sign, you can see A-L-D-I, and that's it. And Sally Wiggins. And Sally Wiggins is definitely the other. Those are the two biggest examples Yeah, uh, of uh, people just throwing S's on things. But they do it for everything why is it that people who were born in pittsburgh have this compulsion to put an s on the end of it well i think it's kind of an old-fashioned thing it used to be that when they're putting the s on it they're generally uh targeting store names the names of stores sally wiggins is a little bit of a different case but say for example uh there are old stores still that in pittsburgh that uh the name of the store is the name of the owner, and then it's so-and-so's store, like Little's Shoes is mm-hmm. the Little family, and it's their store, so it's Little Shoes, or Orr's Jewelry is the Orr family, and it's their store, so it's Orr's. And I, what people do is they generalize that, and they make it as if all store names have a that possessive S on the end, so Giant Eagles and Panera's <laughs> and Aldi's. And, Panera's um, is definitely a big one. Yeah, yeah, and Panera... Could I suppose it sounds like somebody's name? I don't think it is. I think it has something to do with the word bakery in in uh, Italian or Spanish or something. But uh, people act like it's somebody's name and stick that uh, apostrophe s on the end. So, so yeah, but it just comes from a time when everybody was used to going to neighborhood shops and somebody owned it. There were it's no familiar. It's just the familiarity. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, I think people use it now to you know, to sort of create that sense of familiarity. So if you call a place Panera's, you're kind of making it your own. It's like it's you're turning this big international chain into the local family. My neighborhood place. Yeah. yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. now that, that makes sense to me. I thought possibly it was because our uh, fascination and uh, uh, obsession with sports teams is we need to turn everything into a team. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could be part of it, too. I don't really know. <laughs> Does it matter? Are people more likely to do it if it ends with a vowel or a consonant? Probably if it ends with a vowel, um, like Panera or Aldi. Um, it's a little harder to do with Giant Eagle because that 
doesn't really end with a vowel. Um, so you're kind of making a slightly more awkward word out of it. Right. But people still do it. Yeah, it. it I, I don't know where you get giant eagles from. I don't. I, I, I can't imagine that they don't catch themselves immediately when you say that one. Well, maybe people, maybe people do. Maybe they do it anyway because they just uh, doesn't really matter. I mean, nobody's nobody sort of uh, you know yells at you if you do that. Dr. Johnstone is the author of the book Yin Speaking Pittsburghese. She cited in the uh, article in the Incline. That was uh, written by Rosalind uh, Colgan. Uh, do you think the Pittsburgh accent uh, has started to become more well-known nationally? Yeah, it, it definitely has. It's, uh, it's gotten picked up in a number of articles in sort of the national press. And, um, you know, there's so many Pittsburghers who live all over the U.S. now. Um, this whole community, the Steeler Nation um, of Pittsburghers all over the place, all over the world, actually. And they like to talk about it. And, uh, you know, then there was that survey a couple of years ago, what's the ugliest dialect in the right. U.S.? And Pittsburgh almost won that one, or it actually did win that one, yeah. Um, second only to Scranton or something. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there is more national attention to it now. And a lot of famous Pittsburghers, too. Like, doesn't Joe Manganiello go on? Uh, I know he went Seth on with Myers, Seth, Seth yeah. Myers, yeah, and, and talked about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, some of them do talk about it. Uh-huh. So, you know, Michael Keaton and sure. Jeff Gold Goldblum, you know. Uh, so Dr. Dodd, so what as best as you could, what what is the what are the ingredients that make up the 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 gumbo of Pittsburghese? What what is it? How, why do we talk like that here? <laughs> There's a well, a lot of it is because uh, this area was settled originally by by people who were called Scots-Irish or Scotch-Irish, and they brought a lot of, um, you know, they brought their own accent with them. And, and then Pittsburgh, this whole area was really isolated for a long time. Not a whole lot of people coming in or out, per, you know, permanently to settle. Um, so that old accent or those old words and those old phrases kind of stuck stuck around. So, uh, And those include yins, for example. They include slippy, nebby, <laughs> red up, um, all old Scots-Irish things. And then you had uh, lots of immigrants coming at the end of the 19th and the beginning of the 20th century, and they might have been the cause of that uh, that downtown, that vowel uh, sound in words like at and has and downtown, because maybe it's, we don't really know, but maybe there was some vowel they found, there was something about that sound they found hard, hard to pronounce, and there was some kind of interference from their own language, their own Eastern European, probably, languages. So that's part of the mix. Um, yeah, and then there's a little bit of, a little bit, not very much, of German influence sometimes. Um, is there no Appalachia involved? Yeah, Appalachia is the Scots-Irish. Um, so you will hear people saying some of these uh, same Scots-Irish things, you know, west of here, uh, definitely south of here. So it's not so much just Pittsburgh. It's this, It's the combination of all this stuff that, sounds Pittsburgh, um, but the individual features, I mean, you can you can find almost all of them anywhere. I mean, not anywhere. So, so uh, do you have, places. do you have like a geographic breakdown of where Yins starts, and then Yuns starts, and then Y'all starts? Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I could tell you roughly. Um, y'all is more the coastal and the, the flatter parts of the south, and then wherever those people moved west, so like Texas and so on. Yins and Yuns, which are really derived from the same word, are more Appalachian, up and down the Appalachian mountain chain. Um, yins 
is what is what Pittsburghers think this word is and how they spell it and um, how you know how they pronounce it. I guess to some extent, uh, you can start hearing things that sound more like Ewan's even just in Washington County. Um, oh no, I know that for sure. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So y'all's just the contraction, you all, and then it, the contraction changes to you ones, and the pronunciation yeah. of that contract contraction differs between a little further south of here and in the city. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go, uh, yeah. Professor Johnstone. She wrote the book. You should get it if you haven't already. And uh, it's been out a couple of years. Speaking Pittsburghese, the story of a dialect. It's the nuts and bolts of Pittsburghese. All right, and you know you're in that book, Randy. I am. Yes, there's a whole there's a whole analysis of a skit that you did with uh, um, with Jimmy Cran a long time ago. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't yeah. know that. We'll have to look. I'll have to check that out. Check it out. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he, well, Jimmy Scott and Jimmy played a big role in yeah. in sort of popularizing and characterizing that they accent, um, not for the first time, but to mass appeal. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And now Pittsburgh Dad has kind of taken on that role too. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait to uh, to take a look at the book. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, thank we'll you. see you. All right, she's probably got to go teach class or something like that. Probably I'll let her go. Did you know all that? Uh, no. It was some interesting info there. No one ever says Val Porter's. <laughs> You're right. I'm gonna change that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. 39 degrees of DVE. The news is brought to us by ChooseNissan.com. Do we have a little Monica Lewinsky situation? The attorney for Stormy Daniels has suggested the porn star may have proof of her affair with Donald Trump. And now one of her friends says Daniels kept what may be a key piece of evidence. Fellow porn star Elena Evans says Daniels still has that dress she wore the night she had sex with Trump back in 2006. As for why she kept the dress, Evans said, quote, maybe a keepsake, maybe it's because it's actual proof. I can only speculate the things that may be on that dress, especially if it's never been washed, end quote. You know, time will tell, I guess, if if there is a Monica Lewinsky situation brewing. All right. But to be clear, that would be the only similarity between these two things, that and adultery, Um, (laughs) because he hasn't lied under oath about it yet, to my knowledge. And she didn't work for him, even though he probably tried to pay her like he did with that other girl. But why would you save anything from Donald Trump? And why is he denying it? I don't even know why he's he's prolonging it by denying it. If he was just like, yeah, I screwed up. I didn't want my wife to know. And because none of his supporters care. Well, the one thing that I thought was weird, and maybe it's just Raj Shah, who's the backup Press secretary. Yeah, Sarah Sanders didn't want to go out and talk about this one. Yeah. I don't know if it's just how he related, but the news was saying last night that Trump didn't believe anything she was saying, which that's a weird, like, wouldn't you say it's not true? He didn't like be- to say, I, I don't believe her is like you'd say that about somebody else. Yeah, not, not yourself. You were right. either there or you weren't there. So she's lying right. or she isn't. If you were telling a story about how you and I went to lunch, and then I said, "I don't believe her," right? That would it, that would be weird. A be like weird way to describe it. So I didn't understand that, but maybe he's probably saying I don't believe her about uh, other things that, involved in this case. Yes, not um, not her account that they had sex, which they clearly did. So um, Stormy Daniels uh, is now suing Michael Cohen, claiming that. 
He defamed her by saying that she was lying about the sexual encounter. Michael Avenatti is the attorney for Stormy Daniels and says his client is very upset by statements Mr. Cohen made. Months ago, when Mr. Cohen gave his initial statement to the Wall Street Journal and followed that up with information that was disseminated through the press, that that information and those statements were false about her. She's upset about it. She's angry about it. So we'll see. She's, How can uh, you defame say- a porn star? <laughs> I will say this. She is a whore. She's not a liar, Randy. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I come on. She's been awesome. I mean, she's she is Trump proof. <laughs> he can't even he won't even tweet about her. Like he refuses to bring her up because he doesn't. Or Karen McDougal. No, he's terrified. He doesn't know how to take them on because he knows they got the goods on him. But her lawyer is incredible. He's a barracuda. He's hilarious. (laughs) That guy is a total ball buster. I mean, he He just pretty funny. He will not go away. He's like, oh, what's this? Oh, a a CD-ROM full of uh, information that somebody might like to have. Hmm. He's playing like their game better than them. Yeah. It's like when the second Bon Journey came in <laughs> and they did Bon Journey better than the first one. Well, another uh, favorite of Donald Trump, Sarah Palin, her son Track Palin, will be in court today for the start of his trial after being charged with assaulting his dad. The 28-year-old was arrested on assault and burglary charges after he allegedly hit his father, Todd Palin, at the Palin family home in Wasilla, Alaska, back in December. An affidavit says Track Palin came to the house to confront his father over a truck he wanted to pick up. For documents say Todd Palin told his son, don't come over uh, because you're drunk and you took ma- pain medication. Wasilla Billies. And, <laughs> and then a brawl broke out, so that starts today. Anyone who's been watching March Madness knows that, without a doubt, 11-seed Loyola University Chicago getting into the Final Four has been A huge story during the tournament, and every Loyola game has featured the team's 98-year-old chaplain sister, Jean Dolores Schmidt, along for the ride. Well, now, Sister Jean has her own bobblehead. The National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum announced Sister Jean was getting the bobblehead even before Loyola got into the Final Four. The bobblehead can be purchased if you're a collector at the Bobblehead Hall of Fame website and is reportedly setting sales records for the company. Sister Jean, you want to hear from Sister Jean? Sure. I just kept thinking of the good that each one did and how happy he was and how each each young man is himself out there. And they, they just work so well together and... As you see, as you've witnessed in the games, they always know who's hot for the night. Everybody's not hot every night. And so they pass the ball to him, and then it goes. And they did such a fantastic job tonight. I was afraid both the coaches were going to get uh, technicals because the two of them were running up and down on the court, and I thought, oh, we don't got it. Let Bruce get it. <laughs> Amazing how... She doesn't sound 98. No, she's... Got it all. She got all her faculties. Yeah, you know? I never had problems with nuns. Like all the you know, they didn't that, whack your knuckles. Tr- no, there, there was one that was a little tough, Sister Rita. But like most of them <laughs> were great. Like and they were very nice. Like that old trope of like you know the wicked nun, mm-hmm. be, you know, and smacking around. They weren't they that were, bad. They were no, gone the, by. I mean, you know, you never celebrate. There's never a 98 year old priest being celebrated. No, no, not very often. The nuns, they still have their. Uh, they got their image intact. You can market a nun. <laughs> yes. You know, you don't got to worry about it. And somebody is now making a lot of money. I hope they give her. I'm sure it's going to a charity, parish, right? Whatever her, 
or order. Yeah. Is that what they call it? We had one nun named Sister, Sister Marsha who uh, my mom used to make snickerdoodles and she loved the snickerdoodles. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure she was like this, like, you know, flower child lesbian who was like, I better, you know. Get in line? Uh, yeah, I better, I better straighten up. <laughs> and so she's like, I have to put down the guitar and I have to, you know. Well, nuns can play the guitar. Oh, yeah. But they all do, I think. Isn't that the... Uh... No, Sound of Music. She wasn't a nun, was she? Anyways, was she this, a nun? this lady used to raid my lunch for snickerdoodles, like all the she time. She stole from you. She did one time. She did, and she's like, "I totally thought your mom sent me snickerdoodles." I'm like, "You ate my snickerdoodles," and she felt so bad. <laughs> but forever, I just was like wrapping up my lunch. That was the only bad interaction I had with a nun. The thief, snickerdoodle thief. A broken promise leading one Virginia man all the way to the bank. Oliver Davis Jr. broke a promise to his wife that he would not buy any more lottery tickets. Breaking the vow earned him a $4 million jackpot. He says his sure he is sure his wife will forgive him. This time, he took the cash payout of just over $2.6 million. That's awesome. She probably doesn't mind too much. Always take the cash payout. Don't take yeah. the annuity. Right. Because if you die, then nobody gets it. Right. A company called Enigma makes it, well, by the way, that, the present value of that money is worth more than taking the annuity. Tonight's Mega Millions is like $468 million or something like that. Do you that. still play? Only when it gets big. Is, is this big enough, $468 million? If it gets over $300 million, I usually play. I haven't kicked in for one of those office things in yeah, a while. Yeah, nobody's doing it around here. They used to do that all I, the time I totally here. forgot about that. Yeah. I think somebody complained, and then we won like 10 bucks, and somebody wanted their share. Yeah. So that put an end to it. That always happens. It ruined everything. A company called Enigma makes the computer virus software Spy Hunter, and since the start of Lent, they have seen a 17% drop in malware infections, partly because people are watching less porn. It's also because during Lent, people, uh, you know, they vow to give up things like social media and porn. So less porn, not the only reason, but a huge reason. There was also a 14% drop in malware last year during Lent, and that's just the national average Cities with large Catholic populations have seen even bigger drops in computer viruses over the past month. Pittsburgh, the biggest drop, 38%. In malware? Drop in malware during Lent. That's, well, we're busy. All the Catholics here are giving up <laughs> porn for Lent. I'm not uh, sure. Did we talk about this last week? Is there another religion that, like, completely is just so pervasive throughout the culture that whether or not you're a part of the religion, you actually take part in this one. No, but we did talk about fish fries. Yes. And if it's big in other cities and somebody tweeted us from North or South Carolina saying, I've been trying to find a fish fry here oh, no and kidding. can't that's, that's anywhere. Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh is just made up perfectly to have a line of fish, fry, fish fries. Well, when we were out in Aliquippa the other day, there was like three of them in a row. Yeah. I'm like, there's one. Yep. There's one. We could have gone to that one. There's one. Oh, there's three. Yeah. So- I did needs last Friday. I went I went oh, non-church. We- yeah, we went to Al's Cafe. Ah, the legendary Al's. Pretty good. There's no fish fry this Friday, right? Why not? On good, I good Friday? Know. I thought Good Friday do fast on Good Friday? Only from 12 to 3, I thought. I don't know. I'm not Catholic. What do I know? Why do they make fish sandwiches so big? Why do I they have to be enormous? I got a half a fish sandwich. It was the size <laughs> of a shoebox. I'm like, this is a half? They are shoebox sized. 
They're too damn big. Tim speculated because it's the end of Lent, so they need to get rid of the fish. Oh, like whatever's left? I don't know. Like, yeah, we got to get rid of this. Give them a giant size. I don't know, but you got to do the fold over when they're that big. You got to no. cut it in half, fold it back over the bun. I cut it in half and take the other half home. You go tartar? Uh, mayonnaise. Just mayo? Yep. Sometimes tartar sauce. I'm a heathen. I do a little tartar, and then I like to have cocktail sauce to dip it. A little hot sauce? Always hot sauce. Yeah. So uh, Pittsburgh had the biggest drop in malware because we stopped watching porn during Lent. Uh, after that, it's Boston at 36%, New York City at 31%, then Chicago and L.A. both at 23%. Well, this could be a pretty cool rock collaboration with Black Sabbath basically done. There's another iconic hard rock vocalist Tony Iommi wants to work with. Rob Halford of Judas Priest. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, the pair appear on the cover of the latest issue of Metal Hammer, and when Iomi was asked if he'd ever thought about working with Halford, he said, well, we've talked about it for a long time with Times Right. It'd be nice to write a track or two or whatever. He said he would like to do that. Uh, Iomi and Halford have worked together briefly on a couple occasions in 1992. Rob took over as the Sabbath singer for two shows after Ronnie James Dio didn't want to open for Ozzy Osbourne's two farewell shows in California. And then in 2004, Halford fi- uh, filled in for one show when Ozzy was sick. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. But that would be a cool, cool uh, collaboration. No doubt. Finally, new details have been released about Prince's death. A toxicology report stating that the concentration of fentanyl in his blood was 67.8 micrograms. uh, At What will kill you is 58 micrograms. A doctor said the amount in Prince's blood is exceedingly high, even for someone who is a chronic pain patient with fentanyl packets. Sorry, I thought you were done. I didn't didn't mean to start the Penguin song under that that death notice. Uh, Rain, 50 today. It's 38 a DVE. Dan Potash joining us right now on the DVE Morning Show. Danny, what's up? Yes, I am the death notice. Good morning. No, you're not. Sorry, I thought you were at 845. That's why I kept going. No, yeah, I thought... You know what? I didn't see you. Give me the wrap-up. I gave her the wrap-up. She didn't see it. It was my fault, Danny. Sorry. Val, you thought I was in Fart Lauderdale. (laughs) That's right, yes. That's nice. Hey, Dan, first of all, belated happy birthday, Dan. Thanks very much. Happy birthday. Yeah. um, So you're celebrating in Detroit. With the team. <laughs> hey, birthday happens where it happens, right? Doesn't matter. Hey, Dane, will you, will you get those guys uh, on the penalty kill again? What's going on there? Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, what is it, eight goals in the last nine games allowed on the PK? Uh, I don't know, man. You know, you, you, you go through a long season, and you go through many ups and downs. And, and right now, obviously on an up, is the fact that they're healthy, uh, waiting for Carter Rowney to uh, get back to full strength. Not sure if he's on the trip with us yet. I, I didn't see him on the plane, but maybe he'll be at practice this morning. So uh, if he gets back to 100%, then like, okay, great. This is the time where you want to be healthy. And then you look down the line and like, all right, but you know, the, the PK could be better because it's been so great all season long, but in March it took a hit and it just hasn't, it hasn't rebounded. Because it because of Ian Cole? I don't know. You could point your finger at one guy, but what? And you didn't, what do you need to tell me? He's the guy that carried the load the whole season. I, I, I mean, I, that's the common denominator here, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know it's easy to think that, but um, you know, sometimes things just look for whatever reason. As of late, they're allowing too many odd man rushes. You know, teams are getting that two on one break, for example, more often uh, than any team would want them uh, to want to allow it at any stage of the season, let alone late March. So why is the, the penalty kill goal gone south? I, I don't know. It's a great question, but I, I, I certainly hope that Mike Sullivan and company will find a way to uh, to fix it uh, sooner than later. 
understand did the record since January the second it was clearly different than what it was prior to that, and it's kind of leveled off here uh, of late. I guess some of that's a natural correction, but uh, did you sense something happening in early January, attitude-wise, intensity, urgency, desperation-wise, and do you see that kind of dialing down a little bit as they uh, appear to just be in a mode to get through these last six games and, and start the real games in April? Yeah, I saw Gino stand up and say, I'm score back in January. <laughs> That's what he decided to do. He decided to just step up and, and carry, not carry the load, that wouldn't be fair, um, but obviously step up his level of play. And, you know, it's not just that, that he decided to go uh, to another level. Uh, he took guys with him. Uh, Hornquist, uh, who was playing well before, don't get me wrong, but obviously made his impact felt even more. But uh, Carl Haglin. Uh, obviously stepped up, and that whole line was such a force. Now, of course, the other night they switched Hornquist and Russ on the top two lines, if you will, so we'll see if the magic can spread uh, to other players. But uh, it, you know, sometimes when a player decides to uh, to, to do that, and, I don't, and obviously there's not a, an off-on switch, um, but uh, obviously he flipped something and decided to get going. But um, I, I don't think he's really completely cooled off. I mean, obviously he's not scoring at the, the pace that he was, but he's still – um, playing extremely well. I, I don't want to say that there's one thing, why, uh, one example, Mike, why they're not playing at the level that they were back in January. It's hard to sustain that for as long as they have. But the fact that they went, what, 24-9-3 since the, the turn of the calendar is, is pretty impressive. Everybody's making, uh, well, the acknowledgement that Derek Broussard seems to be sort of coming around yeah. to the Penguin way of hockey. Uh, what do you think is the most distinctive example of that? Well, I think he wasn't being—he was not able to play his style, if you will, in Ottawa. It just did not fit. I think he led, gave the example several times that they played more of a defensive-oriented style uh, that just did not fit him. Whereas in New York with the Rangers, and again where he worked with Mike Sullivan, it was—it was a different story. I can't compl- I can't compare the Rangers style of play to the Penguins style of play, but obviously uh, speed is something that. Uh, he wants to be able to play with, and he gets the opportunity to do that with the likes of someone like Phil Kessel on his wing, at least for now, uh, and that, that has certainly uh, been positive for him, and I think he's just been able to play more of his game. He's a great two-way player, uh, plays a 200-foot game that Mike Sullivan loves to talk about, so uh, he just feels more at home. I think it's rejuvenating him uh, because he's playing in a system that's more comfortable to the way he plays. Then uh, over the years, Nobody has gotten more out of road trips than you. You are the king of finding interesting features while you're on your travels uh, throughout the NHL. Uh, along those lines, uh, should I be bracing for a package about the Edmund Fitzgerald Museum in Detroit? Um, it's not on my list today. Oh. <laughs> Where are you guys staying? Are you downtown? We're somewhere downtown. Yeah, it's right. It's in the Mariners' church. Just grab a camera, guy. You, you won't be sorry. Trust me. I'll get right on it. I, I got to cover the <laughs> practice too. You know, it's kind of important for the ratings tonight. I got to make sure I find out what's going on before they play the Wings. Shane returns to uh, his old stomping grounds. There nearly went goalless last year, but ended up scoring the final goal at the Joe. Yeah. There's another example of a guy who, uh, for whatever reason, it just wasn't working in Detroit. You know, former number one pick. I, I don't know if it's fair to say that he didn't meet expectations, but I, I think he probably expected to have been a, a, maybe at a different level with the Wings while he was there. And it's not to say he was um, not playing, did not play well there at all. 
but he certainly flourished in the Penguin system. And uh, yeah. we were here once before. He got a chance to see some of his old guys in the, in the new building. By the way, the new building's really sweet. Did they move the, the statues over there? Uh, they moved some of them. I don't know if they moved all of them, but I know they moved some of them, yes. Um, but, you know, the, the, the funniest part, and I noticed... Uh, I noticed this when we played there in the exhibition season. You look up at the roof, and it's got this ceiling that looks like the floor from Saturday Night Fever. The way it lights up and, and the, the color patterns, it, it looks like a disco floor. Um, it's obviously prominently red because of the Red Wings, and that's obviously colors for the Pistons as well, one of their colors. But um, it's a really cool building. They did a really nice job with it. The Ted Lindsay statue was my all-time favorite sports statue. I loved that. I thought it was so cool. The way they had, like, you know, a bunch of sticks in his hand, like it looked like it was, like, the blur of his shot. Slow motion, right, yeah. And then I found out afterwards he's related to Bob Airy, right? Uh, uh, I have, I'm not sure I think that's his that. uncle. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I can't remember the exact connection, but there definitely is one. Yeah. Wow. There well, you go. There's something you can do between periods tonight. Now I got to go do a package on that. Great, thanks. Maybe you can take bibs to the Edmund Fitzgerald Museum. <laughs> You know, I'll see him in a few minutes here for coffee, so I'll have to ask him if he wants to go. Danny, are you working out? I am. I just went to the gym this morning. You look good, man. Looks like you're. Look, it looks like you dropped out bees. Looks like you're in really good shape right now. I can't say really good shape. I've uh, from three years ago when I dropped it quite a bit. Uh, I, I've held off most of it, but uh, what was your high point weight? I was almost at two fifty. Holy cow! Were you really? There's no way when? you were two fifty. Uh, I would. I wouldn't lie about that. No kidding. So what did you drop to? Uh, about 193. Wow. That's really good. And now I'm around 205. So I uh, have uh, leveled off a little bit more. You're tall, though. You're a tall guy. 6'2". Yeah, nobody believes that. When they see me in person, they're like, dude, you look so small on TV. First of all, I'm like, thanks. Second of all, I'm like, you don't really think these guys are bigger than me, do you? But you know what will stop them from saying that? Just start beating some ass, Danny. <laughs> Just start knocking the, knocking the snot out of people. Nah, come on. Love everyone. Be the enforcer. I know. you're the Everybody loves you. I mean, look, the the... Uh, the Dan is taking on new per- epic proportions this year. I'm waiting for Duper to call and say, "Hey, we, I got to start getting a cut here because we could we could do something <laughs> with this." I'm waiting for him yeah. to call. He's in Montreal now doing TV for one of the French Canadian sports networks, and um, I'm sure he's doing a great job. Uh, it's hard to watch him, obviously, in the states, but I'm waiting for the call. He's gonna. I know he's looking for some money. It's gonna happen. Dan Potash, AT and T Sportsnet. Thanks so much for your time today, man. Appreciate Guys, it. Have fun Appreciate and say you. hi to the boys. I will. Thanks so much. Take okay, care. Man. Man. See you. Dan, po- Dan Potash. That was the best. George LaRock called him that. Hello, Dan Potash. <laughs> Hello. How are you, Dan Potash? He's the best. He's he, really good. 250. Yeah. Get out. No oh, way he was that big. I wasn't kidding about the, the, the stories he comes up with on their travels are impressive. No, he's, he's good, man. Yeah, you know, he knows how to uh, maximize time and opportunity. Yeah, well, I got to do that and go to a commercial. Friends, DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show, and Coach Tomlin speaking with the media right now, basically having breakfast with uh, some of the uh, the football uh, hacks down there. <laughs> 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 a 
I'm sure they'd appreciate being I, I referenced in such a fashion. But <laughs> I, I yeah, mean, I, yeah, some of them, yeah. Uh, no, uh, no, no, yeah. no. No, we're going to have Jerry Dulac on. Decidedly <laughs> not, not one a of hack. the hacks, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, at the NFL's annual meeting each year, they do an AFC coaches breakfast and an NFC coaches breakfast. This is actually a lot of fun. I was out there a couple years ago covering this, and mm-hmm. you can just kind of bounce around. It's sort of a, a mini Super Bowl media day situation where just everybody's available. That's where we got the uh, the Jim Thompson. Oh, a DVE I'm guy. I'm a DVE man. guy, man. I was just standing in the hallway and he noticed my mic flag. Hey, I'm a DVE guy. Um, Mike Tomlin uh, speaking yesterday uh, with Missy Matthews of Steelers.com and he talked about why he's excited about his new offensive coordinator, Randy Feigner. Uh, really excited about this opportunity for Randy. Uh, Randy's been with us for a long time. Uh, he's held down a number of positions. He's been a wide receiver coach within our organization. He's been a quarterback coach, and now he's been a coordinator. Um, I think that experience is going to help him uh, in terms of coordinating, in terms of how he interacts, not only with our players, uh, but with our coaches. And he has a keen understanding of the responsibilities of a lot of people in the equation because of his unique background. Hey, who hasn't called plays yet? Randy, give it a shot. It, You've been around. It's not <laughs> a it's it's a ringing endorsement with not a lot of bona fides attached. Oh, he's going to be great. Why? He's going to be great. Right. We're glad he, we're he's very excited for him. I'll tell you what, this is exciting. Yeah. Can't wait to see how this turns out. Yeah. Here's, I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is going to suddenly start throwing the ball seventy times a game. I do. I think one of <laughs> I, I definitely do. I think he's done Roethlisberger. I'm talking about has done a real good job in recent seasons of calling plays at the line of scrimmage, you know, the run-pass option, RPO industry insiders like to reference on the broadcast. That was an RPO. Mm-hmm. Now, I, ben understands the value of a good running game as well as anybody. He's from Ohio, for crying out loud. What worries me is how long he's going to start holding the ball, potentially, and the problems that can ensue from that. Uh, the, the Yeah, I don't know. Sliding back into the gunslinging, every play's got to be a touchdown because I'm that competitive, we're going down the field no matter what, and I'm going to try to shake off these blitzers and, and potential sack guys and hold it for as long as humanly possible and make a play with He's them. a big Brett Favre. Yeah. Um, that ain't the way it's done anymore. And the reason Tom Brady is as successful as he is at the advanced age into his 40s is that he doesn't play it that way. He gets rid of the ball and lives to fight another day. And that's why Steeler fans hate him. And that's why you don't have a lot of sex strip hey, fumble you, touchdown yeah. uh, when hey, New England's playing. Pansy. Yeah. Every time he throws the ball yeah. away or he, or he curls up. Pansy, did you stop? Sorry, I'm, I was polishing one of my five rings. Yeah. yeah he didn't get one this year. No, he didn't. Steelers weren't going to get one this year either, though. You don't think they were going to go no. to New England and win? They gave up 45 to Jacksonville. They did. They did. That's why the offense, like, yeah. you know, Said Mike Tomlin said the offense was clicking, but you know it was time for a change. We all know he wasn't a good fit for personality reasons more than anything when it came to getting rid of Todd Haley. And he was brought in to be that. He was brought in to be come in and be an aggressive. This is you know, um, he he didn't make demands. I don't think as much as he convinced uh, Ben Roethlisberger to do it one way as opposed to another way. With other guys, he was not as um, gentle. Right. 
And there were times that he embraced that role. Yeah, but they got in a pissing match right from the get-go with who's going to call who and set the tone for their relationship. And, uh, you know, that notwithstanding, it just wasn't he and Ben that had problems. He, the other coaches weren't a, a huge fan of his. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this can't work. But my point was the defense is where know, things yeah. were really screwed up. I don't know if it's going to. And the defense is where things were really screwed up. And uh, it's going to take a while to get over not having number 50 in the middle of that defense. Uh, they, they had no answer for that. Last year in December, and just were, you know, remember that first car you had, and uh, it was falling apart, and you'd get some Bondo and try to keep it together that way, and uh, maybe a little chicken wire, <laughs> just got to keep that bumper on. Uh, they they got to figure out a an alternative to Ryan Shazier, and that's going to take some figuring. Yeah, you don't just go out of the Shazier store. No, you you don't. At least not uh, initially. Penguins are in Detroit tonight. Uh, they have got the Red Wings at 7.30 on your Penn's flagship, 105.9. The X6 regular season games remaining. Penn's are five points behind the Capitals after Washington's 4-2 victory over the Rangers last night. And uh, how about your Vegas Knights? They clinched the playoffs last night. Wow. That's great. Unbelievable. Uh, third NHL team. Since the first year of expansion, 1967-68, the third NHL team since then to make the playoffs in its first year in the league and the first to do so starting from scratch. Edmonton and Hartford did it in 1979-80 after coming over from the WCHA. They already had teams. They were just playing in a different league. This is just phenomenal. Uh, 48-21-7, 103 points for Vegas. That is fourth overall in the NHL, and Marc-Andre Fleury got the win last night. It was his 403rd career victory. He has tied Grant Fuhrer for 11th on the NHL's all-time wins list. 11th. That's crazy, man. Good for him. Good for Flair. Hey, I want to let you guys know, Saturday night, the Gathering Field are going to be performing... On the Gateway Clipper special Clipper show, and the, I tell you what, it's super fun to go out in the Clipper even when it's cold. You know, you bust outside for a little bit and check out the scenery, go back in, party down. They're going to be performing uh, at eight o'clock. The boat boards at seven, and at eight o'clock, Bill's going to do a special set with Rob James and Noah Menark. And the show is in honor of Bill's dad, who passed away recently. He was Bill's biggest fan, and Bill's dedicating this whole show and performance to to his father's memory. And I'm guessing this is going to be about as special of a performance as you're going to see out of Bill Deasy. So want to let you know, Saturday night, Gathering Field, one of the, the most important songwriters ever come out of the Berg, and uh, one of the best bands, Gathering Field, on the Clipper. Don't get a lot more Pittsburgh than that, Mikey. <laughs> no. All right, on the way for you. The Clippers. The Clippers. He's right on a Gateway Clippers. Uh, on the way for you. Jerry Dulac, the owners' meetings going on. Not owners' meetings, but the the, uh, the coaches' yeah. breakfast was going on during yeah. the meetings, I guess. He was, he was like uh, live tweeting what was going on. There's a coach sitting there eating eggs and talking to those guys. It's pretty accessible. 
What kind of eggs did uh, Mike Tomlin have? Uh, obviously, I like them scrambled. I'm a scrambled guy. I make no apologies for that. It's the DVE Morning Show. Joining us right now from Orlando, Florida, from the Post-Gazette Steelers writer, Jerry Dulac. Jerry D., good morning. How are you, man? Well, Randall, I'm fine. Uh, the sky is blue, the palmetto trees are tall, and, and the pool looks very nice right about now, but unfortunately I'm not in that. No. Well, you're in the middle of the grind right now. I saw you are just uh, having dinner with uh, Coach Tomlin. Tweeting yeah, they have the, yeah, yeah, Randall, they have the uh, coaches' breakfast. You know, they, in the past, they've always split it up. They did the AFC coaches on Tuesday and the NFC coaches' breakfast at 7.15 on Wednesday, but this year they combined the two, so all 32 were in the same big, huge ballroom, and uh, it goes for an hour. We had the over, it starts at 7.15. We had the, I had the over-under on Mike Tomlin arriving at 7.45, as he has wanted to do, and I took the over, and he showed up at 7.50, so I won. Nice. Good deal. Yeah. What, what did Coach eat for breakfast? Uh, I, uh, a couple of reporters, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I was right, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he just he just had a, a cup of coffee. Bill Belichick didn't even sit at the table. He decided to stand and have a short press conference, and uh, did not even sit down and have anything. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Why he would he? I don't think I don't think he wanted to give the appearance that he was uh, just kind of schmoozing with the media or hanging out with him. Hey, Jared, Mike Tomlin's obviously done several sessions with uh, a variety of people out there. Have you gotten a sense or have you found out uh, during any of them, was he not given the hard sell when he was talking about Randy Feigner? Uh Yeah, Mike, I, I think, you know, I, I think the uh, the whole approach has been to, uh, you know, we have the right guy. That's why we made this move. You know, we were, we, you know, everything. We had success on offense. We had success on offense when they got rid of, uh, uh, Bruce Arians when they brought Todd Haley in, but it was time to keep moving. He said, and um, you know he's uh, you know Randy he couldn't say enough nice things about uh, putting uh, Randy in that job as offensive coordinator. Did say today, Mike. Uh, you know, for, for anybody who was wondering, uh, you know that John Mitchell will not be will not have any on field coaching responsibilities. I think people thought that he was still going to maybe have some hand in that, but Mike Tomlin said no. It's purely administrative. And I will point up, this is the same role they offered Dick LeBeau, if you recall, when uh, they wanted to promote uh, uh, Keith Butler. And Dick LeBeau turned it down. Dick LeBeau still wanted to coach. Dick LeBeau still wanted to be on the field. He didn't want to be in the press box or looking at film. And uh, But apparently that was that. And, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. John Mitchell was ready for that, but Mitch will not coach at all this year, and he he clarified that in case anybody was wondering. That surprised me a little bit. Uh, last I remember that coming up was, I think, during the bye week, and uh, John Mitchell's comment, if I'm remembering correctly, was, I like working with the people I have. I like being a part of this organization. As long as they want me, I'm going to keep coaching. Did something, yeah. did something change on the I, one side or the other? Well, I think it must have changed on on his part, uh, uh, Mike, because he's obviously is part of the organization and he's going to still be around, but it's just going to be in a different role. So obviously he's accepting of it. And hey, maybe it was one of those deals. Look, we'll keep you on. We'll give you this role, but we're we're moving forward with our coaching approach. And and, uh, you know, he obviously accepted it. So so my guess is that uh, I, I can't I can't exactly say how they felt. I think that was their position. But I think it was more that Mitch just thought, okay, this is better than not being around this organization. So he accepted that role. Jerry, uh, you know, Randy Feekner, inexperienced as a coordinator 
on the professional level. Right. Played, or, or rather, uh, was the uh, coordinator for uh, Memphis College. Right. Uh, right. Tom Bradley joining the staff defensively. No pro experience for Tom. Uh, what did Mike Tomlin have to say about his addition to the coaching staff? Yeah, he was, uh, Randall, he was very positive, uh, beyond positive, uh, about the addition of, of Tom Bradley. And, um, and you know what? And, 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 and good for Tom. As you know, he's been a friend of mine and a radio partner for mine for, for a long time. But he talked about uh, uh, what he wanted in that position was a teacher, a guy with a teacher's mentality because they have young guys, somebody to teach, you know, to stress fundamentals. My, uh, uh, Tom Bradley, a big stickler for tackling and fundamentals. And that, um, uh, you know, and that that's what this guy's about. And, and that's what he wanted. Uh, sometimes when you get players, I mean, coaches who were former players, and I'm not picking on their approach, you know, maybe like Carnell Lake, uh, Joey Porter, who was never really a coach. They just brought him in to be a, like a professional role model. But Tom Bradley is a coach through and through, and he's a teacher, and, and that's what they wanted. You know, when you look at that secondary, you have three cornerbacks, uh, no older than their second year in the NFL, same with the safety, John Davis. So they have young guys back there that they want to teach. And um, I think the other thing, too, and he pointed this up, is that, um, you know, uh, uh, Tom Bradley has experience in, in the run-pass option and the, and the read-option quarterbacks. And while the Steelers have done a good job of defending those types of players and attacks over the year, um, I just that, that's an added benefit to, uh, to having him there um, because that, that college style gives a lot of pro teams fits because they're not used to trying to defend it and that's one of the things uh, that's uh, i think mike tomlin called it an, an added benefit that they get with so, uh, with tom bradley so you're saying that they're trying to combat the in, infusion of the, these wide open college offenses right yeah and these quarterbacks by bringing in a defensive coordinator from college who knows how to defend those yeah well uh, uh, i mean right, is that exactly. just an aspect of it yeah, that's not the reason they did it. That's just part and parcel of it. As Mike Tomlin called it, an added benefit. Okay. I think why they brought in Tom was because, um, you know, because he's more of a, quote, teacher, and that's what they wanted for their young guys. As they go about trying to replace Ryan Shazier, Jarrett, it's clear it wasn't going to be one guy. Uh, right. where, where we're at now, is that uh, part John Bostic, part Morgan Burnett, part number one pick to be identified, maybe one more guy after that? Yeah, Mike. I think it's going to be more number one pick. Uh, I think John Bostic is a, is a, is a um, you know a solid uh, stopgap for now. But I don't think there's any question that when you're looking at improving their defense and what they need to do to try to uh, uh, replace Ryan Shazier, that it's not John Bostic. I, I don't want to call him just a guy. Uh, I'm not going to uh, say that. But he is a guy who's been with four different teams, so he's obviously not a he's not a Ryan Shazier impact difference maker. Hey, everybody wants player. him. <laughs> <What's> the, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> so um, I think that guy is still to be found. I think Morgan Burnett gives them a guy who will play down in the box. You know, one of the things they wanted to do before they even signed Morgan Burnett is they thought they would move Sean Davis to free safety because he has pretty good range, and they wanted to take more advantage of that. That was something that Mike Mitchell just didn't have. They knew he had, you know, he couldn't run anymore. So that was part of making that change. Um, but, you know, they play so much sub-package football. You know, Mike Tomlin said this morning, Mike, that they're, they're in sub-package, you know, nearly 75% of the time. 
And so you're looking for guys who can play kind of multiple roles, if you will. You're looking for, uh, you know, the Jabril Peppers type of guy, the Ryan Shazier type of guy, guys who can run, guys who can cover the field and, and do multiple things. So, you know, we'll see who they, what they're identifying in a draft. They said speed isn't an issue. It's more about quickness. That may well be true, but I don't think you'll see them get some plot or I, see, I think you'll see them look for a guy who can go, who has nice speed, who can go sideline to sideline. That's what they're looking for, someone as close as you can get to uh, to Ryan Shazier, and yet who, who knows if that guy's out there. Yeah, and in the event that that guy is not there or it takes him a while to get up to speed if and when they get him, could you see a, a sub-package where Burnett is down in the box and maybe Cam Sutton's on the back end? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I could see that happening because you want to, in that instance, you want to get your best players uh on the field, I think what Morgan Burnett does, uh, it, it lessens the urgency at safety. I think you'll still see them address that in the first two days because you need some bodies there. Um, but I think, um, I think the, uh, the urgency to find a safety, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe the, the kid from Stanford, uh, Justin Reed, those kinds of guys. I, I think that gets eased, but I don't think John Bostic uh, uh, eases the sense of urgency at inside linebacker at all. Jerry, where are you golfing today? Nowhere today, Randall, but you know, there's a place called the, the Bay Hill Club. I think they <laughs> stage a PGA Tour event that I that I might catch uh, uh, late Wednesday afternoon. All right. Yeah, good for you. All right. Well, good deal. Uh, brother. Hey, man, thanks for checking in with us today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Always good chatting with you, boys. Jerry, do live from the girl. Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Hey, Jerry. Jerry, of course, part of the uh, Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network broadcast right here on your flagship of the Black and Gold 102.5 DVE. Billy Gardell joins us next hour here. 102.5 DVE. Churches performed on the Honda stage. Honda proud to feature exclusive performances from the breakout band. Check out their new single, Get Out. Exclusive access to performances at iHeartRadio.com slash Honda Stage. Wherever your path takes you, Honda celebrates the creativity and drive it takes to get there. Then uh, over the years, nobody has gotten more out of road trips than you. You are the king of finding interesting features while you're on your travels uh, throughout the NHL. Uh, along those lines, uh, should I be bracing for a package about the Edmund Fitzgerald Museum in Detroit? Um, it's not on my list today. Oh. <laughs> the Ted Lindsay statue was my all-time favorite sports statue. I loved that. I thought it was so cool the way they had like, you know, a bunch of sticks in his hand like it looked like it was like the blur of his shot. Slow motion, right? Yeah. And then I found out afterwards he's related to Bob Airy, right? Uh, uh, I have I'm not sure I think that's his that. uncle. Yeah, there's a, there's a I can't remember the exact connection but there definitely is one. Yeah. Wow. There well, you go. Talking. There's something you can do between periods tonight. Now I gotta go do a package on that. Great, thanks. Maybe you could take Bibbs to the Edmund Fitzgerald Museum. <laughs> Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. He's between the holes. Put him down there. Which, uh, when did the Edmund Fitzgerald sink? Oh, God, I have no idea. And why did it sink? It was just like a ship. It, it was wasn't a, bad a wartime. Storm, wasn't it? it was just a storm. I mean, I'd have to replay the song in my head really fast, but I always just remember the Tino Martino version from 15 years ago, so. I can't remember I how the real that, one goes. Uh, it was a bad storm, 1975. Yeah. Well, that's all Dan needs to do then. <laughs> no point in doing it. 
He went down in 1975. Back to you guys. The end. He kind of sounds like, Potash kind of sounds like that one uh, South Park character. <laughs> uh, the guy, uh, the one that talks like this. Potash is a legend. Did you know that? I Ma- do know that. Mount Rushmore of Pittsburgh sports television reporters. Myron Cope, Dan Potash, Stan Saverin, and Guy Junker. <laughs> That's Mike Lang is like Zeus. You know, he's you know he, he gets his, he is his own mountain. Yeah, I would say so. My most drunk, one of my most drunk ever. The remember the Steeler Thursday night Steelers game when I came in like two hours late the next day. I do. I remember <laughs> laughing uncontrollably hard at you walking in here at eight o'clock with like a hoodie up over. I'm my like, head. why did you even come in just to get abused? Well, I couldn't drive to work. All right. What, what what was that all about, though? No, but I was screaming. We were going into the stadium, and there were these guys lined up doing a national broadcast, and I'm just standing behind them screaming, Dan Potash. <laughs> like, Dan Potash! Potash! It's like, yeah, it's the all-encompassing. It's like he a general term for people who do that. Nowhere, nowhere in the area. It was a football game. It was a football game. Yeah. yeah. So He doesn't work those. Nope. Billy Gardell is going to be joining us this hour. Pals got news now. What's up? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 43 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Caseda by Lutron Smart Lighting Controls. Federal Trade Commission is investigating Facebook's privacy practices. In a statement, the FTC says it takes very seriously recent press reports raising substantial concerns about the privacy practices of Facebook. Uh, the company is dealing with a growing controversy over massive data mining by Cambridge Analytica in the 2016 presidential campaign. Over the weekend, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg publicly apologized for a breach of trust. Uh, the news also came uh, yesterday that they have been tracking your, if you use an Android phone, they've been tracking your phone calls and text messages. That's right. They have a full list of all of your phone calls and text messages. And when you quit Facebook, you get to see just how much stuff of yours that they've collected. That has to be a terrifying dossier. I I would think. To gaze upon. And a huge... Well, you have to opt into that, apparently, which I fortunately did not do. I never gave him my phone number. Yeah, I don't think I did either. I gave... I, anytime I have to give the phone number for something, I give the front desk here. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. Pirates fans and Pittsburghers in general have something to celebrate. Forbes magazine recently named PNC Park as the fifth best Major League Baseball ballpark. The list ranked all 30 with criteria including uh, ballpark design, setting, visuals from within the seating bowl or surrounding views, amenities, historic relevance, and more, which are all pretty good Uh, uh, at PNC Park. San Francisco's AT&T Park was ranked number one on the list. Now, if we could just get that baseball thing going. (laughs) Well, this is one of my biggest fears. Officials are still trying to figure out what caused a man to fall in Massachusetts and get shredded by an escalator. Oh! The accident happened Saturday night at a subway station. The man's clothing and arm apparently got caught in the mechanism somehow. He was conscious when he was rushed from the station to the hospital for treatment. It's not clear how badly he was injured. No additional details have been released. That is like one of my biggest fears. Get your shoelace or something yeah, caught the, in it, and it even has those out. those teeth. Yeah. Oh, that is. Although it seems kind of impossible. No, it. Ha- I I think I saw it when I was a little kid or something on some news program, and I've been terrified ever since. Look, 
Uh, because I, it doesn't. I mean, I think there is an emergency stop button on it somewhere. But if it's, I mean, it moves kind of slow. But if you got to be kind of careless to get killed by an escalator. Well, he wasn't killed. <laughs> to be mangled, to be mauled in any way, shape, or form, Val. I don't know. Pay attention. Suck you in pretty quick. I don't know when Easter turned into a gift-giving holiday, but I am against it. Uh, Gifts for Easter? Yes. No way. Uh, We spend a lot on Easter. According to the National Retail Federation, consumers will spend about $18.2 billion on Easter. A little down from last year, but the second highest on record. At least 81% of Americans will celebrate the holiday by spending an average of about $150 per person. Men likely to spend about $20 more on Easter gifts than women, topping the list of items consumers will spend the most on. Candy and food that's followed by gifts, clothing, and greeting cards. We actually spend more on Easter candy than on Halloween candy. You mean we collectively, Collectively, not you? No, not you and I. (laughs) I was going to be like, we do? I don't really get any. We have talked many times uh, in the past about how dirty things are because they don't get cleaned properly. You know, the old story is, wow, the toilet's cleaner in a restaurant than the ice machine. I want to go back to Easter for one second before we get into the toilet ice machine thing. What are you eating for Easter? I don't know. Probably ham. Ham's a big one. going to my in-laws. Lamb's a big one, too. Never had lamb for Ham and lamb. Never had it. It's the Black Betty twofer. Ham and lamb. (laughs) But... I'm having both this year. So I'm like, wow. I know. I'm pretty excited. Big time. Doing the eerie ham. Two, two, two different dinners or all at one? Two different. Mm. Yeah, I'm not messing around. But I got to go back to Erie again, apparently. I'm being summoned back to Erie. Yeah. Well. Are you going to go to Franklin and have ha- Franklin ham? I don't know. Nobody has organized a dinner yet. It's, I mean, it's only four days, five days before Easter. Why bother to make plans? I know my mom's going to be like, why don't you meet me at the Passion <laughs> Do you know the that? The Passion of the Christ? The Saturday night mass that goes for four hours. Oh, yeah, you're is... not going to do that, are you? No. No. But she'll make me feel guilty about it. Oh, well, maybe someday you'll do something nice for mom. <laughs> just tell her you're being nice by not going. That's right. <laughs> because you would just ruin it for her, probably. I wouldn't ruin it for her, but I would probably... I don't know if I can make it through that. It would be good for my brain to sit through that, probably. Keep well, me you off wouldn't the be phone. on social media. Yeah, that's right. right. All right, I would. I would probably start posting for <laughs> <laughs> the passion. This is no. I've forever. only ever had ham for Easter. Ham and lamb. Those are the two. Ham's the real big one, though. Scalloped potatoes and ham. Mm-hmm. Grand cor- uh, mashed potatoes, ham gravy. There you go. Mm-hmm. Ham gravy. But that's so, when the ham farts come in. So with the gravy? Out. Yeah. Why? Well, I, they just it, they do. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's the flour that makes you fart forever. Best hams locally around here? Silver Star. Very good. Smith's ham, mm-hmm. also awesome. My favorite is the Parma ham. I don't know if you've had a Parma ham. I never have. Oh, my God. It is like candy. Oh, you like the sweet one. Well, See, it's I not like, like overly sweet, but it's like, I just meant like you could just, you just oh, don't yeah. want to stop eating it. I don't like the sweet glaze on the, the Easter ham or cloves. That's even worse. Cloves. Oh, yeah. my mom used to put cloves in the ham. No, thanks. Don't, well, honey baked ham. I just like it plain. In a pinch. Boom. Sure. They'll, they'll get it done and for you. And you can go, I bet the ham bones are really on sale right now. 
Yeah. At Honey Baked Ham, what? they're probably giving them away. Why? You get them for your dogs? Or no, you make soup? soup. Are you going to make ham and bean soup next week? Uh, Come on. Yeah, I probably could. You always could. make stuff for Gardell or Sean Casey or something. I brought bean soup in for you. And I ate it and I said, this was awesome. I wish we could have more bean soup days like this, Val. <laughs> Let's Why don't we eat bean day. soup anymore? <laughs> Our relationship's hurting over this. <laughs> Uh, so back to the cleaning story. Uh, spring cleaning, maybe it'll be here sometime soon. It is supposed to warm up a little bit this week, but it'd be rainy every day. So who wants to clean when it's, you're tracking mud in the house? Right. Um, uh, so there are some things you should be cleaning more often than you are. Your microwave. You uh. might think those microwaves kill all the bacteria in there, but it doesn't. You should wipe it down once a week and deep clean it every two weeks. Is there anything grosser than the DVE microwave? Right now, it's not too bad. I've seen it way worse. Well, we got a relatively new one. The one before this had five radio stations worth of lunches microwaved in it for about 10 years before they cleaned that thing out. It had stalactites. Yeah, How do you explode something in the microwave and not clean it out? Because nobody when saw you not, do it. When it's not yours. Nobody saw you do it. That thing, you would open it up and it had like, there was like drippage hanging off oh, of the, so the top disgusting. of it. That were ju- it was just baked on. Ugh. Ugh. Then somebody drips cheese on the toaster oven out here and you can smell it on the whole floor. Uh, yeah. Do you have to be careful about what you clean a microwave with? Well, uh, I just use water to wipe it down, but they say if when you're going to deep clean it, you put a cup of water and then put like pieces of orange in it, or you can use vinegar and then turn it on so the water boils and it steams all the gunk off. What if you put soapy water in a uh, bleach, probably a, a, a cup that is lined with tin foil, and then when it explodes, <laughs> it'll just blow the soapy water all over it. It's something to consider. Give it a try. Let me know how that works out. Uh, your bathtub should be scrubbed out every week. How often do you bathe, though? Are you a bather? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, they say that uh, a recent study looked at the different places for the type of bacteria that causes staph infections. Only 6% of garbage cans had it, but 26% of bathtubs carried the bacteria. Really? The staph bacteria. I, that's why I don't trust hotel bathtubs. Mm-mm, like no if you're way. somewhere where you're like, oh, that's a huge, it has the jets. Oh, maybe we'll a take tub? a tub. Nope. And then you're like, Mm-mm, no, way. no way. It has so much residue I'm on it. I'm not going to simmer in you that. You sit in that tub and you you can just smell Clorox. You're like, <laughs> If oh. you're lucky. Uh, the inside of your fridge should get cleaned once a month. Salad and meat drawers can have 750 times more bacteria than what is safe. Your computer and your desk. How long have we been in here? Two years or three? Two. Have you ever cleaned your computer over there? No. <laughs> I replaced it. I just get a new one. Why clean it? Seventy um, percent. You probably don't do this much in here, but seventy percent of Americans eat at their desk. Ten percent only admit that uh, they almost never clean their computer. Uh, Bill is really good about. Wiping down the workspace area around here. So I get inspired. I see him with the Clorox wipes, and I'll grab one. And, uh, he squirts orange juice all over the place. Not to clean. You mean no, no, no. By he mistake, eats and oranges, he, and so and it gets it sticky. So, yeah, yeah. you got to clean it up. Uh, also, your pillow Ugh. should be washed every three months, and you should replace your pillows every three years. And if you have aller- allergies, replace them every six months. That would get very expensive. Let me tell you something. 
I had these pillows for, I think, like eight years, and I didn't know what to do with them because, you know, obviously they were no good to me anymore. But then what do you throw out a pillow? But then I don't want to take it to Goodwill. Like, here, have my garbage. Here's a bunch of my dead skin. (laughs) How'd you like to lay down on my dead face skin for a while? (laughs) I don't know. Charge two bucks for this. Best of luck. Your mattress. Oh, how? what's the mattress? Well, your mattress should be cleaned every two months. Most people flip it just once a year, which you should also do. Two but, months. But you should clean it. They say you should either sprinkle it with baking soda and then suck it all up in the vacuum or just hose it down with Lysol. Hell no. Nobody does that. No, I don't think so. Nobody cleans their mattress unless there's like an a incident. biohazard. <laughs> an incident. The only time I remember cleaning it is my dog had an accident on the on the foot of the bed one time. Yeah. But like other than that, I don't think I ever cleaned a mattress. Now I feel gross. Whatever. I got a high thread count, Val. Better get a can of Lysol on your way home. Not doing that. Finally, in music news, Yes is revealing details for the band's 30-plus date 50th anniversary North American tour. The tour will get underway June 5th in St. Charles, Illinois, and will stop in most major cities before coming to a close July 28th in Atlanta. Tickets will go on sale to the general public this Friday, March 30th. Yes includes guitarist Steve Howe, drummer Alan White, keyboardist Jeff Downs, bassist Billy Sherwood, and singer Jim uh, singer John Davison. They will play Carnegie of Homestead Music Hall on July 5th. Rainy day all day today. 50 for the high. It's 42 at DVE. So back to the Easter talk. You know, uh, Wallet Hub ranked the 100 biggest cities that celebrate Easter to the uh, best to worst. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh came in fourth. Nice. I mean, that's pretty what good. What was their criteria? Like, I, I don't know. I think uh, I have it here. Let me look. Uh, so it's New York, St. Louis, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, Birmingham, Alabama, Atlanta, Houston, Cincinnati, and Orlando. Oh, here we go. Churches per capita. Pittsburgh is eighth. Okay. Fourth in percentage of Christian population. Twenty third for brunch restaurants per capita. <laughs> That's part of. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess a lot of people don't want to cook on Easter. Eighth for candy and chocolate stores per capita, and fourteenth for flower and gift shops per capita. Uh, the 10 worst cities for Easter, North Las Vegas, Nevada, that's specific, Hialeah, Florida, never heard of it, Glendale, Arizona, Jews don't celebrate Easter? Oh, no, of course not. Uh, Anchorage, <laughs> Gilbert, Arizona, Anchorage, Alaska, I feel like there's a ton of like transplants up there. Well, they're running from the law if you go up there. So they're just, yeah, <laughs> they're Judases. Reno, Nevada, St. Petersburg, Florida, Henderson, Nevada, and Norfolk, Virginia. So they're Nevada, all like it's all retirement villages. They're all like start start over, do over state, do over cities, getting away from a family. <laughs> uh, but it is big here, no doubt about it. Billy Gardell, uh, apparently MIA this morning, so overslept. Probably. Yeah, he probably That's overslept. Right, it's pretty early. Out it's there. fine. I was thinking, you know, that story I had earlier about those two brothers who made a bet with the casino mm-hmm. at 50 to 1 odds that they would be the same weight in a year because one of them was 305 pounds and the other one was 135 pounds and they met at 185 pounds. They had a year to get within one pound of each other on the day of the weigh-in and they did it. Yesterday was the weigh-in was day amazing. and they did it. And I was thinking that Gardell and Joey O'Connell could do something like that. <laughs> like for charity. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, for but charity. I- 
Billy's got about five inches in height on Joey O'Connell, though. Yeah, he's really tall. Billy's really, really tall. So that, that would be a tough one. But I think O'Connell would be up to the task. Just hammering double eggs. Egg. Oh, this will be his. He'll love he loves this week, I'm sure. Yeah. Mike Pursuta in with your sports when we come back. Pens are at it tonight against the uh, Red Wings. And Coach Tomlin has been meeting with the media for the past couple of days. Some interesting stuff out of Coach T as we head towards the draft. And uh, something's made clear, especially what he's expecting out of the new safety, Morgan, and uh, why he likes Randy Feekner as the offensive coordinator. And also... Why he thinks Tom Bradley's going to be a, a great new addition. I'm not, no word on what the rest of those guys ate during breakfast. Jerry D was live tweeting it. They were all just sitting there eating breakfast while he was talking. <laughs> so funny. Hey, this Friday night, it's Cure Rock. I'll be the MC once again. Station Square, Alternate Roots, nationally touring band, will be the headliner. Nevada Color and Working Breed, two of Pittsburgh's finest, also on the bill. Come support Cure Rock. In their efforts to raise awareness and funds for the fight against childhood cancer through live music. Doors are at 7 p.m. Music starts at 8 p.m. Silent auction, 50-50 raffle, the whole kit and caboodle. Join us at the Hard Rock Friday for Calm. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta here with your sports on DVE. Mike. Sports are brought to you by Panhandle Cleaning and Restoration. The Penguins will be playing in Detroit tonight against the Red Wings. 7.30 on your Penn's flagship, 105.9 The X. The question is, what exactly are they playing for? The playoffs are fast approaching. Six regular season games remaining. After the Caps 4-2 win over the Rangers last night, Washington leads the Metropolitan Division with 97 points. The Pens have 92. So uh, the chances of catching Washington would appear unlikely. What does that matter, though, right? Two years ago, the Caps won the division. The Penguins won the Stanley Cup. Last year, the Caps won the division. The Pens won the Stanley Cup. Uh, No reason that can't happen again, but uh, you can't just show up and flip the switch when it comes to opening the postseason. So the Penguins still have an agenda for these final six regular season games, including tonight's in Detroit. Here's goaltender Matt Murray. Just trying to feel good. Um, Like I always say, just trying to feel a little bit better every day. Um, in practice as well, in morning skates and games, and just trying to, uh, you know, it's all about how you feel at this time of year. Um, we're not worried about results. We're just worried about feeling good about the way we're playing, doing the little things right. Um, and that, that can kind of turn into a snowball effect as long as you just get a little bit better every day. So um, obviously this is the time of year where it starts to count. So you want to be at your best and feel a little bit better every day, and then we're going to, you know, get to where we want to go. Yeah, the get a little bit better every day theory has some merit, but uh, head coach Mike Tull- Mike Sullivan, while not necessarily uh, maniacally focused on the results, wants the process to be what it needs to be. He does not want his team coasting into the postseason. Right now is critically important, and we're trying to put ourselves in the best position uh, to make the playoffs first and foremost, and then and then move from there. But and so the only way we can do that. Is to is to not get ahead of ourselves. Let's let's stay in the moment and make sure that that we're just focused on that one game right in front of us, that one shift right in front of us, and then we'll go from there. Pens at the Red Wings tonight. Uh, Evgeny Malkin trails Connor McDavid by seven points in the race for the NHL scoring championship. McDavid's got 99. Nikita Kucherov of Tampa Bay with 96, and then Malkin 
with 92. In the goals race, it's Alex Ovechkin with 45. Patrick Laine of Winnipeg with 43. And then Malkin with 42. Mike Tomlin uh, talking about some things down in Florida at the NFL's annual meeting. Uh, We've heard a lot from uh, Mike Tomlin today based on an interview he did in Orlando with Missy Matthews of Steelers.com. One of the subjects they broached was uh, the changes to the Steelers coaching staff. There there have been several, and uh, Mike Tomlin is excited about all of them, one in particular. You know, I'm excited about uh, the men, first and foremost. Um, I know all three men. Um, they're exciting men. They're good football men. They're fundamentalists and teachers. Uh, they bring expertise to the position that I think going to help, uh, you know, help us do the same things that we're doing better. Um, excited from, 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 for them from a lot of fronts in that perspective. Uh, really excited about this opportunity for Randy. Uh, Randy's been with us for a long time. Uh, He's held down a number of positions. He's been a wide receiver coach within our organization. He's been a quarterback coach, and now he's been a coordinator. Um, I think that experience is going to help him uh, in terms of coordinating, in terms of how he interacts, not only with our players, uh, but with our coaches. And he has a keen understanding of the responsibilities that a lot of people in the equation because of his unique background. Carl Dunbar has replaced John Mitchell as defensive line coach. Tom Bradley's the new DB's coach in place of Carnell Lake. Daryl Drake has taken over the wide receiver's coach position for Richard Mann. And uh, all we're going to talk about all year is how Randy Feekner's doing as offensive coordinator. Right? This is exciting. He's an exciting man. I love that. You know, it's like, yeah, cr- you know, careening towards a cliff is exciting. <laughs> it's not exactly... What we need to be feeling right now, excitement based on some bona fides would be great. Hey, maybe it's just what they needed. It might be. I mean, look, he might light it up. I have no idea. It's, I mean, nobody does. But they, there's something about that they see as being, you know, the answer. Could be who Randy Feekner is, and it could be who Randy Feekner is not. I think a little from column A, a little from column B, yeah. Pirates lost to the Phillies 6-3 yesterday in the home finale for spring training 2018. The Bucks are scheduled to be in Clearwater to play the Phillies today at 105, and they are scheduled to open the season on Thursday in Detroit. That's just a couple days away. It's it snuck up on us here. They got plenty of great new food to eat there, though. Things have a way of sneaking up on you when you pay them no attention That's whatsoever. That's kind of... It's kind of kind of true, and I'm okay with that. That's all I got, Cuz. All right. Yesterday, the Pirates announced what they were going to be serving. Go for balls at PNC Park this year. <laughs> Batting practice. No, it's uh, all kinds of new eats. They got. Uh, Raw cookie dough, of course. That's good. You get balls of raw cookie dough in the market. They got a place called the market now. All right. Egg free, so you don't got to worry about the salmonella. That's probably not good in the summer heat. Yeah. Uh, They uh, have ice cream, though, like consistency to them. So they're cold. So they'll be good when it's hot. Like frozen. Um, They have a pulled pork pierogi hoagie. Fun to say. Always love pulled pork. Kielbasa grinder. 
Oh, that sounds That's That new? sounds like what happens when you slide into second and don't <laughs> don't clear the bag. That sounds intriguing. Uh, that pairs local sausages with Swiss cheese, Thousand Island dressing, and sauerkraut on a sesame roll bun. Dish of pierogies loaded with bacon. You can get you can always get pierogies there. Uh, the left field lounge is now the Jim Beam left field lounge. There you go. All right, that's the, a great place to catch a game. They're going meat free. What? And uh, yeah, they got a sub made with beefless meatballs. We talked about that earlier when we uh, when we talked to Bob Nutting Jr. about the uh, beefless meatballs. Yes. Francisco Cervelli is back. No, that's not. It's tossed in house-made tomato sauce made with soy protein concentrate and vital wheat gluten. Mm. Now, I think this is Thomas Tall's farm. Like, they're they're pioneering a lot of this stuff. He's also offering raw vegan greens and grain salad packed with good-for-you spinach and kale, just what you want at the ballpark. It also, You know, the thing is, if you have to go to the ballpark a lot for some reason... You know, I guess it's good to have. If you have to go, like it's a, sure. I don't know. Maybe your job oh, is to entertain the clients. You gotta, yeah, you got to go all the time. Uh, it's got quinoa and brown rice mm. studded with cranberry, sunflower seeds, and roasted corn, adding crunch and color. It comes in a good. spicy sriracha, sriracha carrot dressing. Yeah. They got barbecue sauce made with Jim Beam bourbon whiskey. Pulled pork nachos, pulled pork dinner with mac and cheese. Tootie's famous Italian beef is going to be in the house oh. this year. I love Tootie's. Tootie's. That's the Chicago-style loose meat sandwich. You ever have one of those? They're they're badass, Mikey. That place on the south side, right? Yep, they exactly. Are, you know, I understand why they bring new stuff in every year, because they got to give people something to get excited about, because usually there aren't a lot of player acquisitions to get people excited. But they, they got it right with Manny's. Yeah, I yeah. love Manny's. Is still, he still there? That's still the place to be. The market has grab-and-go selections, untuna salad sandwich, which I guess is, is it's hummus only with vegan mayo and pickle relish, binding well, the mashed-up garbanzo beans instead of tahini and garlic. It comes on wheat bread with fresh spinach. Why wouldn't they just call it a veggie sandwich? I don't know. Instead of the untuna sandwich. I don't know. Maybe that way they can let it go bad. And it'll... <laughs> Good Manny's burger, one of those depth-charged beers. They have... Uh, all kinds of pierogies, house-made kielbasa and stuffed cabbage rolls. I mean, it's insane how much food I'm talking about here. Grilled flank steak sandwich, honey-grilled watermelon caprese salad. That's at the sweet level. If you get them fancy seats, Mike, mm. you can go get that stuff. That's pretty nice. On the Pittsburgh Baseball Club level, chopped brisket sliders <gasps> topped with slaw and sweet pickles. Basil brine chicken sandwich. A house-made really spicy Creole sausage link with roasted spring onion and apple thyme chutney. This is like... High-end stuff. Yeah. Fancy. You know what I want, Val. <laughs> I only want one thing and one thing only, and that's a bucko flipping taco. <laughs> bucko taco. Oh, yeah. I might have to change this to beefless meatballs. Bucko taco. It fits. Beefless meatballs. Taco, taco, dance. Beefless meatballs. Swing. Batter up. Bucko taco. <laughs> I want to give you a bucko taco. This is endured. Oh, yeah. I want to give you a bucko taco dance. Slide. Batter up. <laughs> I want to give you a bucko taco. 
pierogi slide and butter taco. I'm gonna give you a bucko taco. Stop. I'm gonna make you jolly, Roger. <laughs> it's it's creepy. Very scary. Bucko taco. Yeah. The bucko taco dancers uh, between the uh, seventh taco. inning uh, stretch there. That, that would be nice, don't you think? Beef with meatballs. It is the DVE morning show. The documentary on HBO, The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling, first installment aired last night, two hours, eight to ten last night. It'll be eight to ten tonight, part two, where they start where he began with Larry Sanders and on to, uh, well, when he passed away at the way too young age. I think he's like 54 or something like that. Um, well, no, he wasn't 54. He was a little older than that, but still. He was too young to go. And it's amazing how much he accomplished. But I also didn't realize how many contemporaries he had from when he started out. And one of them was Dave Coulier. And we knew Bob Saget was a good friend of his. We talked with Bob about it on the show. Bob was on our show shortly after Gary's funeral. Um, what I didn't realize was their manager, Brad Gray, started a management company with Harvey Weinstein hmm. way back in the 80s. And they had these pictures of Brad Gray and Harvey Weinstein in Buffalo. They were both from Buffalo. And Bob Saget was playing whatever, if it was Helium or whatever the comedy club was there. Uh, and that's where Gary met Brad Gray and would begin his long relationship with him that would ultimately uh, be the crux of a lot of his sadness for a long time later in his life when their partnership dissolved. Uh, and I'm sure they'll focus on that a lot tonight. But it was remarkable. I didn't realize he was such good friends with Dave Coulier. And at one point, at one point during the Gary Shandling show, Dave Coulier would come on and imitate Gary as his voice box because he could do such a good imitation of Gary Shandling. And I just remember the last time Dave Coulier was here in studio, and he just started doing Albert Brooks and his brother, Bob Einstein, who you might know as Super Dave Osborne, of course, who's... Uh, come to fame again recently as Marty Funkhauser in Curb Your Enthusiasm. But here's Dave Coulier on the show. As an impressionist, there has to be voices you hear all the time that whiz by you and you go, that's in my wheelhouse. Yeah, like Albert Brooks. You're, oh, come on. Really? No one does Albert <laughs> No, serious. Hold on. Hear me out. You're going to love this. Hold on. Well, a lot of people, and right now the kids are thinking, that's Marlon from Finding Nemo. Right. I know you were thinking it. There, I said it. I'm the gorilla in the room right now. Okay, what a lot of people don't know is that my brother, Bob Einstein, played yeah. Marty Funkhauser yeah. in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Yes, I did, and I don't care for you. <laughs> Seriously, Albert, and you, that would make your last name Albert Einstein, of course. <laughs> when I was going to school, quick story here. Uh, I remember one day the principal coming up to me and said, your brother is no Albert Einstein. <laughs> really? That's why I hate you. <laughs> Parents hated you. I hate you. Everyone hates you, all right? Okay, you don't have to be so belligerent right now. Oh, you're using big words. And I'm not Albert Einstein. Okay, great. All right, next. There you go. Yeah, Bob Einstein was uh, Super Dave Osborne. Yep, Super Dave. Him and Fuji. You couldn't have that character on a show <laughs> no, now either. No, not at all. Fuji gets uh, he gets he's the stunt guy and he gets thrown into the wall. At, <laughs> we're gonna throw Fuji on the front of this 
Ford F-150. And uh, we're going to try and get this thing up to over 175 miles per hour. Fuji has been duct taped to the hood. You ready, Fuji? Right, it's super day. Yeah, Def Leppard. This is that, like, 90s production sound that, like, they were used on On the Turning Away and on, like, the the later Floyd, Def Leppard, mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, robo-rock. What yeah, is, very synthetic. Like, maybe they're all on a spaceship. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it. No wonder they're so mad about Matt, about love. They've been castigated. <laughs> we got the DV Comedy Festival coming up. June 29th, Brad Williams is on the bill. I had a dude come up to me uh, not too long ago. He was like, oh my God, that was great. And, and you're a comedian. I had no idea you were a comedian because I love you on Jackass. Yeah. you. Yeah, he's not Wee Man. No, he's a little person, but he's not on Jackass. Also, comedian Rory Scovel. I uh, got the blazer on tonight. Last time I was on TV, my sister said that I didn't dress up enough. Uh, to be fair, I was getting arrested. <laughs> oh, gosh. Here we are. We're into it now. Here we go. <laughs> He's We're the best. It. Sarah Tiana. So, uh, as you can see, I'm still single. What? I know. Uh, I'm in my 30s now, and I'm still single. So, in Los Angeles, I'm a commodity. But in the South, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> and, of course... Bert Kreischer. Pay attention. When you're driving home, you know how the cop pulls you over and they do that, like, that flashlight in all the windows and they distract you and you're nervous and then they're on top of you. They're like, do you know why I pulled you over? And you're like, oh, weed? I don't know. <laughs> now, that, the big show sold out. Sponsored by SouthHillsAuto.com, Disaster Restoration Services, CW Electrical Services, and Dawn's Appliance. Portion of the proceeds benefiting it's about the Warrior Foundation. But I want to let you know we are announcing additional shows for the weekend. Nice. And uh, when are we announcing that? Right. You now? may have it. Who the, you know? There's a chance these guys will pop up at another show, but in the near fu- future, in the not too distant future. Bill's on vacation this week. Boy, did he pick a good week to go on vacation? Ugh, it's gonna it's gonna be like this. I think all week. Yeah. The rest of the week. Yeah. Get under one of those sad lamps. <laughs> I think it's a happy lamp. Snort. No seasonal affective disorder. I mean. Oh, I th- okay. The happy lamp for sad. Snort vitamin D. Do whatever you have to do because we are going to be deprived this week. But I just wanted to let you know, give you a heads up. Just because you missed out on tickets for the Biome Theater show for the Comedy Fest, you still might have a chance to see one of those comics at one of the other shows that we're going to have popping up. And those are shaping up nicely. So details forthcoming there. Thanks to uh, Jerry Dulac from the Post-Gazette for giving us a shout from Orlando. Talking Steelers this morning. Dan Potash in Detroit. They got the Red Wings tonight. And, of course, thanks to Professor Barbara Johnstone. She uh, is the linguistics professor at CMU who is telling us why Pittsburghers put S on the end of words that don't have an S. Michelle's got the electric lunch coming up next at noon. Have a great day, everybody. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.